Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries. It's been a while that we have been away from your ears and from your sound buds as the world's gone a little bit crazy and a little bit unwell. We seek to bring back something familiar, some classics, some wayward rewatches of the third season of Supernatural. And I couldn't think of anyone here beside me in the Impala than my dear friend Faye Hayden. What up? Yeah, I cannot wait to jump back into the road trip with the boys. I miss it. Um, they have the best taste in music. They really do. And uh, <laughs> I needed that. Everybody needed that. Especially these days, but we're not going to talk about how weird or strange things are outside. We're here to talk about when did season three come out? 2000, like 2009? Oh, why are you fact checking me, bro? I didn't check why, no. I'll not put you on the spot, but even so, this was a lovely slice back into the earliest days, but still quite powerful days of Whoa, no, 2009 is way too quick. Season one came out in 2005, so 2008. Eight. Cool. Crack the code. Max. It's difficult, but that's why we uh, take comfort in our boys as they go through season three, the shortest, but somehow the most dense and compact, but like satisfying season. Yeah, it, like, I think it's a lot of fans' favourites, even though it is the shortest, because they packed such amazing episodes into the season. Such recognisable, just like meme classics and like really intense sort of visions of monsters in the night that we get all sorts going on. We have some of the best side and supplementary characters we see mostly contained to this just one season or the season before and honestly it was a joy to catch up with this one again and i'm glad we did yes i am the same i have missed the the like quotations that you can pull from this season mm. i forgot that most of them actually like most of the favorite fandom quotes came from season three um which was a nice surprise when i rewatched them because i didn't know if they were earlier or later i just knew the quotes off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you where exactly they came from. Um, but I can do that with some of them now, as we have rewatched this season in all of its glory. And it's a pleasure to catch up with it, I would say. Yeah, we had some great fun with it, and we're going to go through it stop by stop on the road, episode by episode. I think we can only really start with the beginning. Well, that would make the most sense, wouldn't it? No, you're right. Let's final shot episode 14, shall we? Let's leave well, the others. It's really confused. No. Why not? Let's be real, uh, right back at the beginning. The, with the Where we last left off with Sam and Dean and Barbie, of an essence, um, that Devil's Trap Hell's Gate door had opened. The demon which had destroyed their family during the boys' infancy has been destroyed, but at what cost? At what cost? Oh, too many good characters' costs, that's at what cost. Yeah, it's true. But still, with uh, that hell mouth open and... An uncountable number of demons flooding the world. We jump into the new season at season three, episode one, The Magnificent Seven. With some just casual demon possession. Oh yeah, the most casual demon possession. Just, oh yeah, that's black smoke. Oh, and now that person's probably dead. Lovely. Yeah, but, you know, that's what demon possession's all about. It's just like, oh, thank you, but I didn't give you permission. I'll do what I want, because I'm a demon. Well, and then you have the other, the flip side of things, where Dean is going completely off the rails, and is just like, hey... Casual sex. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to die in a year because of that deal I made to bring Sam back from the dead. So we just don't care. We're just going to, you know, have sex and die. Live our best life because the life's actually got a measurable clock now. You yeah. Know? Feels real bad. But with that, with that ticking clock on his side and him like living vicariously and dangerously, hedonistically going off into the night for all sorts of stuff we also get 
the real rough side of un unexpected demonic possessions, and we see very powerful demons from the off, don't we? Yeah, this is probably some of the most powerful that they've come up against, apart from Yellow Eyes. Yep. This is something that they haven't really seen before, um, something that they're... I mean, the later seasons they would laugh at, but, you know, Fresh Sam and Dean are, you know, oh my god, what is this? They have, like, they have powers and Holy Water doesn't really work on them that well, and I, like, what's happening? Yeah, because it's really rewarding, like, catching back up with early Sam and Dean compared to some of the new stuff, because, like, I just finally finished season 14, but we're waiting for 15 to actually happen because of whatever. But, yeah, seeing them, like struggling against a cadre of demons is just so reminds us of how simple their struggles used to be yeah and it's not like just one-on-one -on -one demon work anymore it was seven of them yeah and it was seven quite high-powered dickheads yeah <laughs> if <laughs> i will <laughs> if you will and i think you will and it <clears throat> it's a fair thing to say but they really bring it to sam and dean right there in the beginning and with bobby's help as well it was just an immense struggle because like as demons go i love the idea of them being the embodiments of the sins, like those ancient powerful ones that the, they got wrote about in the Bible. Yeah. It's just so interesting to see them like done that way and done so well. And we even make sense as to why um, that one dude got possessed right at the beginning of the episode. He's just like, oh, I like my name is Carl. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, oh, I want, I want that. That's mine now. Yep. And then, so the possession that obviously caused him to go downhill would have been... Enver. Oh my god. Enver McCurd and Nir Masurns. Um, but yeah, but it's not. it wasn't even just Sam, Dean and Bobby in that episode. We had a couple of other hunters that yep. were on the trail of, oh, look what the Winchesters have done. They've screwed up yet again and everybody else has to clean up their mess. Well, this is probably the biggest that they've screwed up so far and it's going to be the first <laughs> in a long line. Let's be real. So far. That's, yeah. Yeah, so far. Because, <laughs> you know... They they literally, like in a later season, in a couple of later seasons from now, they can walk into a lunatic asylum with a very truthful story, probably because I started the apocalypse. Yeah, I, there's an angel literally on my shoulder, and he talks to me, like, all the time. <laughs> yeah, but just shows that, like, these are still, like, not even baby, really, but still, yeah. like, almost small baby. Fry. Small fry yeah. Sam and Dean dealing with small fry issues yes they're big for them and they'll learn to fill it but still it's an immense challenge for them but even with an immense challenge they are given some very powerful help as a new face sort of appears on the scene sort of towards the end of the episode yes yes i remember who this is now yeah it took a while I... a, you can't see her face ladies and gentlemen but there was an immense loading wheel the, you you can't be cryptic with me, dude. I sure watched the season as well, but, you know, help me out here. Ruby with her special knife. Obviously. Yes. That was the correct answer. Yes. Just some blonde lady rocks up, yep. saves Sam's life, basically calls him a little bitch, and yep. then pieces out. It's kind of what you want from your mysterious sort of helper ladies, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, amazing demon killing knife. Yep. Never before seen. Nope. Even Bobby the Wonder Man doesn't know what it is. Bobby the Wonder Man. Is yeah, that his... you heard me. I mean, like, that's I, his official title. I own it, and I feel like he'd own it. But hot damn, that's a very specific title. Bobby the Wonder Man. Yeah. Doesn't know about the demon killing knife, which means you know it's good stuff. But it's powerful and strong. But then again, it makes sense as to how it came into their hands. But we don't understand why she would have it until at least next episode, at least. Yes. Which is fine, but 
still, we are promised right at the end of the episode that the demons are a serious issue and they're here to stay. But personally, with the exception of, like, when the apocalypse stuff sort of comes along in, like, later seasons, I don't think there's as serious individual demons as these guys all at once in any other episode. Because we get people like your Alistairs, your Crowleys, your Abaddons, but there's, like, down the line. In terms of, like actual archetypical powerful ones mm. all at that one point being that huge threat all at a given time that's really sort of centered here because even then in the later seasons once Crowley's sort of in control they've become very sort of like bureaucratic and sneaky two-dimensional yeah yeah i agree i mean yeah this was basically just demons being demons they yeah. wanted to kill you just for the fun of it because they haven't been outside in the real world for a while you know there was no actual reason there was no backstory it was just like oh you know yeah. I've, I've been locked up for a while and i want some fun yeah that's fair it's pretty relatable to want to go out and have some fun we've been locked down for a while oh i'm sorry i don't understand that reference good that's for the best <laughs> that's for the best but still the demons are powerful <laughs> and they're here to stay because the boys let them out to save everything you you could have rhymed no. The boys let them out to play. What is wrong with you? Uh, shut up, you're not my real dad. Oh, never mind. Good but, grief. But if we want to talk about someone's real dads. Oh, listen. That was a great segue. <laughs> You've done me proud, okay? <laughs> it was just so natural. I just, had to, I just had to go for it. I accept this as a segue, but I just wanted to make one note about episode one that I wasn't you, finished. Sure, <laughs> sure thing. Cool. cool, please. Keep going. Um, Dean was like, dude, I'm so tired. I just want it to be over with. Yeah. I'm, I just... And I'm like, this is the beginning of season three. Three. Does yeah. he realise how much more stuff he has to go through? No, that's the wonderful point. Because we were watching the uh, blooper reel right before we started jumping on the microphones. And it got to a point where they were just sort of doing, pulling funny faces at the camera. And like getting in, tr in front of each other, like in frame and stuff. Yeah. And I think, and you said the like killer line about the observation about their attitude while they're on set would you love to yeah i basically said that they must have realized that this was going to go on for a little while longer and their jobs were safe which is why they were messing around much more in the third season blooper reel than they were in the first and second like in the first and second you had your occasional jokes and your mm -hmm. flubs of lines and stuff but this one was very much like they were like willingly screwing with each other because <laughs> they know what's up they know that they're around and this show's got some manner of legs and it's gonna stick around for a while yeah like at this point they had a, a super solid fan base already yeah so they figured that you know it, it doesn't matter if they screw around a little bit as long as they get the job done at the end of the day which is nice to see them having fun on set yeah it's very important to <laughs> keep yourself entertained and out of sort of the mental space of like literal hunters fighting things that go bump in a night they can keep that playful attitude and be a bit childish because the kids are all right Oh my god, you've done it again! I've done it again! He's on a roll, lads! Boom! But seriously, episode two, the kids are alright. Was, I, listen, great episode, absolute classic. Mm. There are some lines in there that you would want to repeat in it's general. True. One of them being, semi-illegal, best night of my life, Dean. I had to pause the episode at that and absolutely cackle. I was like, what does semi-illegal mean? And can I please have a fan fiction written about it? Uh, yeah, if anyone's out there who's got a keyboard and a dream, um, we've got some bespoke, we've got a bespoke order for some fanfic. Um, tweet at flayclock16 on Twitter. Flayclock? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> good at words. But in all seriousness, you get Dean rocking up to a suburban town, meeting an old flame that he hasn't seen in a very long while. 
and meaning her eight-year-old son. And then he runs the numbers, like, counts them on his fingers. But he only does that after he meets the kid. Yeah. And the kid is basically dressed as a mini-dean, and he says, he's like, oh, yeah, that bouncy castle's great, man. It gets the chicks. And, and Dean's like... Yeah, and he opens... A, and Dean first sees him opening a present and going, yes, ACDC rules. <laughs> and I mean, that... You know, that's not even realistic. That's just genetics. Yeah. Like, you cannot make a child the physical copy of Dean and not have Dean be his father. It's fight true. me. Absolutely fight me. She said there was some dodgy dude in a bar, like, at the end of the episode, but I'm having none of it. Paternity tests? No. Screw your science. Absolutely not, sir. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dean's the father. Fight me. Yep, I accept. I wholly accept. But even so, we get that sort of vision of what a life could be like for Dean away from the hunting and for him to spend his last year sort of uh, so I mean, he's a little tempted I would say he's oh, likes the yeah. idea, he, he, a lot tempted he loves the idea of it considering what happens later on in the, in the season yeah in um, the season and in the episode yeah you know we figure that he does actually want to settle down he did want that happiness that that you know comfort that he can go home to hmm. um and he, you know, was very upset when he found out that Ben wasn't actually his own kid. He wanted to leave something behind in the world. Yeah, Ben, it seems like all he can really leave behind is the legacy of a trail of fallen monster bodies. But uh, it's still a good thing to be to be heroic, but that's really as close of a vision to his own son, even down to the spiky hair. Yeah, I mean, he, it, he was just a carbon copy. Precious. But it was so good. And he taught... Ben, how to fight back? Yeah. For his his Game Boy thing that was yeah. stolen by the mean bullies. Oh, cl- the thing is one of the one of the classic Game Boys as well. Yeah. Which is unacceptable. You don't throw around a what would now be called classed as a retro handheld game like that, honestly. But even so, the quality of like that little kid being put as a threat that made Dean want to fight even harder. Yes. Is we're particularly interested in what do you think of the the monster of the week here shying away from the demons for a little bit the the changeling yeah. i mean it was an interesting choice because obviously there's a lot of folklore behind that that's not got to do anything with their their usual demons and hells and spirits and whatnot the changeling's very like out of the woods fairyland folksy yeah um so it was nice to see them sort of take that turn into you know not from hell as it were um and again, they, they added their own twist on it. Normally, changelings are just children. They are, you know, snatched from their cribs, replaced with these weird creatures that just aren't quite right. There's something off about them. Um, but they had their own twist on it because there was an adult changeling as well. Yep, because they have to be switching them with someone real eventually. It reminds me a lot of, like, the, uh, the Yates poems and some of the very old sort of Grimm's tales of, like, Children being snatched in the night. It's yeah. it's a very old world sort of myth, which is what another thing I love about the mythology. They sort of bring on, they bring out everything. Mm. We saw that a lot in season two with like the genies and stuff. Oh yeah, they like dig deep into the archives for some of the monsters that they bring out. Like yeah. if you don't know your your folklore and your demon lore, then you know when you're watching Supernatural, you'll be like, ah, oh, they made these up. Sometimes they did, but most times they did not. No, most of the time it was taken from, you know, some form of religion or some yep. form of monster stories from back in the olden days. It was all, you know, from some form of research that they did. Yep. It's great when you can make monsters out of real myths because it makes the myths seem more real. Mm. I find it interesting that they 
they didn't have much of Sam dealing with this in this episode. Like, Dean didn't go back to Sam and be like, dude, I think if I have a son. And it wasn't like, you know, there was no part of Sam in this sort of storyline. He was very much on the hunter side of things, where at Dean you had, like, more of a, a touchy-feely, which is normally the other way around. It's very much the other way around. You get that because, ultimately, the story started with Sam being pulled back into this lifestyle. Yes. Whereas you had Dean sort of as this like figure of like Hunter's prowess, trying to get Sam on his on his side to help find their father, your favorite character. <laughs> but we're seeing Dean as a literally vulnerable, dying man. So we're getting chances to see his character expand, so that we, can, as a as a viewer, grow with him and feel the loss of him eventually being meeting his demise at the expense of the deal he made in the last season. And it's tough to see him react in this way. And we see him... Come to the realisation that he hasn't left anything behind apart from his car yep. and his baby brother. Yep. Which is... Makes him aware that that's as much of a legacy as he's got. Which is a hard thing for him to realise. Which is why he takes Groff on his child so fiercely. Yeah. Which is... I mean, it's sad because of so, like he's done so much for so many other people. And I guess his legacy would be all of the people that he saved. But he doesn't see it like that because it's not an embodiment of, like his his genes himself. Yep. It was just you know oh, I was passing through this town and I I ganked a demon. Yeah, and there was just a girl here one time. Yeah. Yeah, which is a shame because he you know he's had done so much for so many people. Yep, and he'd he'd do a good job looking after that little kid. Yeah, he would. Now I'm sad, so we have to move on. <laughs> Yeah, moving along down the road. Where did we go to next? We went to uh, Batman Town. Batman Town. We went to uh, episode three, Bad Day at Black Rock. Classic. Where we find some guy in a prison um, and some other guy who was like, uh, so hey, listen. What up? Uh, that Sam Winchester thing. What do you mean he's the literal devil incarnate? Well, it's a very common thing sort of going around, especially in the Hunter community, hearing that... Uh, Sam Winchester's been involved in a mass breakout of multiple demons, but it turns out that someone very familiar is being asked about this in the prison. And when you you you, you see his face, and your entire body just goes, Ugh! <laughs> you! Yes, him. Gordon. Gordon. Classic from season two. Which, I mean, you know, props to Sterling K. Knight, because, uh, like, oof, that was great acting to make me hate you that much. Well, he's really good at like embodying those sorts of characters. Like, I just loved that one episode of him that he was in in Brooklyn Nine Nine, where it was literally just him, Jake, and Holt, and he was playing like this, like surgically sort of like Machiavellian serial killer. Yes, and then I mean, he's obviously done so much, so many other things, but I think the peop the thing that most people know him from now is that um, this is us TV show. Sure. He is one of the... You have no idea what I'm talking no. about. Cool. Anyway, uh, apparently he's, he's amazing in that. I haven't watched it myself. But, um, you know, his his acting has always been completely praised. Yeah. Which you can see why. I mean, he's only in a few few episodes of Supernatural and he's one of the most well-known characters. Yeah. Like, he's one of the very interesting early antagonists of the show that not all hunters are necessarily good guys. And even though he really does think of himself that way, yeah. he really does see Sam as a threat and a beast that needs to be taken down and if the roles were reversed we could very easily see him as the lead in his own show oh yeah absolutely but I mean you know you've got the same thing with Dean people think that sometimes he crosses the line too much but then if you have a character like Gordon there is you know Dean's an absolute saint compared to Gordon very true 
really really true there is you know gordon won't won't stop it until he thinks he's saved the world which you know means killing sam winchester and i admit you know occasionally he's a little bit of a bitch but you know he's had some stuff to go through he really has and he sort of handles it as best he possibly can and he doesn't know what's happening he doesn't know what's like what's inside of him what's going on how can you expect some random guy who met him like once or twice or however many times he's met him to just casually come out with like oh yeah he's the antichrist it's chill yeah but no <laughs> it's it's within his possibility to just sort of like help or at least try to understand but he has none of this he just goes in with the mach- with the machete and tries to do some slice and dice yeah so you've got Gordon being like, you need to get me out of my prison. You know, we've got to go kill Sam Winchester because he's the demon person. Um, and then you have this guy who I believe is named Kubrick. Just like Stan. Cool. Um, and he has this, uh, shall we say, penchant for religion. Mm. Gross. Yeah. Um, so he is, you know, oh my goodness, no, we can't have a, a, a hunter being a, a, a bad guy. What? whatever will we do so he gathers up some people and he goes out on the town yep to find the winchesters right around the same time we are introduced to another phenomenal phenomenal, a side character that dominates this season oh bella talbot Mm, delicious what a lady what what a what a character she's what i'd imagine to be like in my head back in 2008 or whenever we figured out the season would have been she would have made the perfect cowman yeah. Yeah, because that's what her aesthetic and deal is in this I mean, it basically series. is, yeah. She goes around, she steals really high-value items, and then she pawns them off for even more money. Yeah. Well, specifically magical items and things of power, because she has total understanding of... The occult mon- and the monsters. The occult and monsters are real and all that good stuff. With all the knowledge, she could be able to set herself up a library or a source of knowledge like Bobby in the later seasons, but no, she's much more interested in flipping relics for cash. Yes. Which is its own way to live, but it's not exactly morally forthright as hunters who protect people and prevent further loss of life from these monsters. No. However, so in this episode, we find out about Bella because she hires two guys to break into John Winchester's um, old storage cabin place, storage facility. Full of stuff. uh, Full of magical whatnots and doohickeys and thingamajangs. Um, and they steal a box. A box with a thing inside. Which they stupidly open. Because they're the smartest people ever. And then they die. Which seems suspicious. How do you open a box and die? What's the name, Pandora? Right? Well, yeah. I mean, she didn't die of opening the box. But I get where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, so they died because of what was in the box and you're all like oh what's in the box oh my goodness how what, like how can you die from it was a rabbit's foot it was a magical rabbit's foot the rabbit's foot well not the rabbit's foot but like the, the rabbit's foot that you imagine is just the source of all luck yes which i mean if you wanted to get such a rabbit's foot there were very specific uh oh isn't it connotations isn't it you gotta kill the rabbit um uh, at midnight under a full moon in the graveyard or something yeah no on friday the 13th under a full moon in a graveyard, at midnight, and it has to be a white rabbit. See, that's not specific at all. And I mean, like, going to all of that effort, yeah, like, you'd better hope it was lucky. Yeah, but then again, 
Um, to quote a powerful uh, berserker from a story I read once, what's the bad side about having a double-edged sword? It's a sword with two edges. <laughs> well, but, one edge kills you. So. Yeah, it's true. Because sometimes the luck runs out. As we see, after they incapacitate those two idiots and find where the Ravisfoot was held up in their little wet, in their little safe house, Sam picks it up and finds himself to be the luckiest man on earth. Until he loses his shoe. Heartbreaking. Uh. Well, it's not even that, because they realise that the attractive waitress took it from them in that diner. And I mean, if you're going to pull one over on the boys, you've got to be damn good. And she did, and it worked, so she is, in fact, damn good. That's my point. Yeah. But it's just so amazing to see the both of them running at full tilt towards the camera, chasing after her. And he stacks it so hard, he just flies out of frame. And, <laughs> yeah. he's just, and he's just like, wow, you really do suck. He literally, Dean just like puts the brakes on, stops, turns around, he's like, dude, seriously? Wow. And, uh, and that's pretty much the staple for the rest of the episode. Yep, because it cuts back to Dean explaining it, and Sam getting like immense gum on his shoe, trying to scrape it off. And honestly, between the men who lost his mother before he was really, really knew her, lost his father, lost his girlfriend, lost his chance at becoming a successful lawyer, lost his chance at, like, his normal life. The most devastating loss of them all. Was his shoe? His shoe. Ah, oh, give the boy his shoe back. He's been through a lot, man. Well, it'd be fun trying to find whatever his shoe size is. He's tall. I imagine he's got quite large feet, but that's beside the point. So, eventually... Eventually. They get the rabbit's foot back. Dean... Has the rabbit's foot. And he does some immense bullshit with it. Because uh, Gordon's friend with the god complex um, has found Sam mm. in a motel. Yes. And is about ready to like sort of sacrifice him almost. I mean, he didn't even have to knock him out because Sam managed to knock himself out due yep. to the fact that he doesn't have the rabbit's foot anymore. Yep. Which... If yeah. you haven't noticed by now, if you lose the rabbit's foot or it gets taken off of you, your luck turns from really good to really, really bad, and then you die. So, because he doesn't have the rabbit's foot anymore, he is now... Very close to dying. Yeah, basically got a gun to his head. Yep. Um, being ready to be, you know, lamb led to slaughter. And Dean walks in, does like two things, and then the guy knocks out on the floor, and he's standing there with a shit-eating grin on his face. And says, I'm, I'm bad man. It was because he takes down these two dudes by throwing a remote control at one guy's face and throwing a pen down the barrel of the other guy's gun. Yeah, and you know what? He is Batman. Yeah, well, not technically, he's Redhead. Let's not get into that. He's uh, Batman. Dean that Winch- no, Dean Winchester's Batman. Jensen Ackles is Redhead. Let's make okay, the clarification. Okay, I like that. That adds up. Let's make the clarification. That adds up. I accept that. Either way, eventually... They're trying to burn the rabbit's foot so they can, you know, release all of the good luck, bad luck, juju nonsense and go back to the way everything used to be. Um, and Bella... Swoops in. ...rocks up to the graveyard in which they're burning it and is like, give me the rabbit's foot or I'm going to shoot Sam. And Dean's like, you wouldn't try and shoot my brother. And as he's saying this, she shoots Sam. Yeah. She is a very scary lady who means business. She full on shot him. Yep. Which... With, a, with a bullet. Yeah, given how bad his luck was, it's a miracle I didn't just like bounce around all inside his organs and he died very bloodily right there. Yeah, I mean, he could have stepped to the left, I assume that's correct, um, and she could have been firing and he could have died. Yeah, which is very likely considering how bad his luck is. So... I mean... Yeah, 
So she, she she's serial, but the way Dean deals with it is perfect. I mean, isn't it? He was like, okay, fine, here it is. And he threw it at her. And she didn't have time to, like, not okay. touch it or put a glove on or anything like that. So she caught it, which means she now has the good luck, which means if she ever lost it, she'd have the bad luck Which she would need to do to try and sell it off. So she then realises that Dean has duped her like she duped him and what? decides to go, fine, we're even. Let me throw it in the fire. Um, and as she does so, she steals the scratch cards that Dean has bought himself and earned like 67 grand or whatever it was. Some a large amount of money, yeah. Uh, because of his good luck run. Yeah, because that's a fair thing to do. But then again, that also probably covers the money she would have lost from whoever was going to buy the rabbit's foot. So she she comes off even, but yeah. they've both been made to look like mugs. Yeah, pretty much. She thinks it's a fair trade. And they're obviously like, I'm down 67 grand. Because <laughs> he literally just walks away from the graveyard just being like, oh, I still got those scratch cards. Searches himself, cuts to her in the car. Son of a bitch! And then the episode ends. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it's an absolute classic. And we- I'm so glad that we get to see more of Bella throughout the series because she seemed like such an interesting character. Yeah. And I was going to get super annoyed if they just did a one-off with her. Yeah. We, uh, we were very well rewarded with her presence and we get to see a full character arc with her and she is both helpful and a thorn which is kind of exactly what you want from a film femme fatale sort of character yeah exactly very good very welcome indeed moving down the road on to the next city sin Sin city City. my favorite place to be because they pull up in this peaceful little town but it's not quite so peaceful anymore is it no because uh something 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 demon something something death murder prostitutes gambling Terrible things. Demons. Featuring demons. Pretty much. Seems nice. Yeah. So it was, you know, once a, a little provincial town. It was a, it was a quaint place. And there was a, a priest guy. And, uh, and he was like, oh, everybody knows everybody here. It's such a lovely town. It's great. It's delightful. And then later on, you find him at the bar. Yeah. Because that's just where the hubbub is now. You don't come to church. No. Unless you want to blow your brains out like that guy. Yeah. Um, you 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 go to you go into the pub and you drink, and you deal with prostitutes and you gamble, and you smack each other upside the head with pool cues. It's a fun place to be. And you attempt to uh, shoot a guy because he slept with your wife. But you know, then you have the Winchesters that come in and they save the day, and they're all like, "Yeah, woo!" And then this guy comes over and goes, "I want to get your photos for the paper. We can't have no heroes getting away." And they're like, oh, amazing, yeah, cool. And they're like, uh, bye, gotta go, can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's just, it shows the overall power and influence that a demon can have, just like putting that presence, because as we later figure out, there is like really much, pretty much just one demon's influence. Just like, yeah, I mean, set. there was literally one demon that just whispered into like some guy's ear. He's like, you, there's a missed opportunity here. Do you realize how much could be done with this town mm. if you got under the people's skin? Yeah. You know, if you made them do a few dirty things here and there, you could be making such a large profit from it all. It just really sort of put everyone's interests and thoughts and beliefs sort of out of the way, but it was nothing that they wouldn't weren't going to do on their own. And that's something that she really brings up in her conversation with Dean in the collapsed sort of underground basement space. Yeah, I mean, she was definitely like, you know, it, we didn't force anyone to do anything. I gave him the idea and it just, you know, human morality took after that, you know. It was very much, it was already there in your 
essence in your brains yeah. if you just needed the tiniest of tiny nudges and look what's happened yeah death murder deceit sex gambling you know all, all of the seven sins that we saw earlier on there is debauchery here and that's just the slightest suggestion and it's all come to come to force yeah it, it i mean it's an absolutely you know interesting conversation that dean and the demon have because he's like, humanity's fine, you know, we're doing the best we can. And she's like, well, you're not doing that well. Because yeah. I said, like, four words. And look at the town. But sure enough, the boys find that her influence was a little bit too strong. And the somewhat uncertainty that I think should have been explored a bit more in the season sort of comes bubbling up to a head. Because Dean starts to wonder uh, all the stuff that Yellows was saying was what was the thing that Sam came thing that brought back that looks like Sam is it 100% Sam or it's because or has Sam changed because he was dead for a minute yeah like did you bring back all of him or did you leave, some, leave something down in the hell space yeah is that in, entirely his essence or is he like harsher and ruder and meaner now which I don't think you're ever going to really find out until you see Sam Solar Sam later on. Oh, and sorry. then you realise what the essence of Sam is. Hmm. Because right now, he's just a little bit grumpy. He's just a little bit bitchy. You know, his brother's about to die. It's yeah. acceptable. Yeah, he's allowed to be a little bit upset that his brother's going to ine inevitably die with no interest in trying to save his life. Because, as he rightly points out, Dean basically had the whole, the same, like, downwards spiral when John sold his soul so that Dean could live. Yeah. And now Dean was doing the exact same thing to Sam. Pretty and much. he was like, you're a goddamn hypocrite. It's true. It really is. And I'll give it to Sam. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. But uh, before we close up on this episode, I do find it a really nice twist that um, we see Bobby sort of in a bigger focus in this episode, sort of as like a side subplot. Yes. I did want to say that I found, I really, really liked the fact that they started out at Bobby's and they like went off to finish at Bobby's. It's like they have a home base now. They're not just sleeping in their car and sleeping yeah. in motel rooms. They have like yeah. almost a home to go home to again. Yeah, this is the foundations of Bobby being that like source of knowledge, that Alfred plus Oracle sort of figure, that reserve and like source of wisdom in a sort of grounded space that the boys really needed. Yeah, and by grounded we mean he calls them an idiot when they're idiots but I think everyone needs that that's why I've, that's why you've been my friend for like as long as I can remember yeah because I call you an idiot yeah. and that's how we're friends it's true but then again they also do good work there in Bobby's little space because they fix up the wonder gun of wonders well do they or does she yes she, in essence she does uh, giving Bobby instructions because she's totally trustworthy because at this point we've had the arguments about the fact she's a demon Sam we can't trust her we kill them and they kill us yeah, but at the same time, Ruby literally rocks up and she's like, what are you going to do with that? Shoot me. And then Bobby shoots her. And she's like, well, that hurts, I guess. Do you want me to teach you how to fix it or not? And she helps them rebuild the cult. She yeah. helps them fix it to make it a demon-killing weapon again. Which is exactly what they needed. Um, exactly perfect timing and it just shows that the character's... Still barely sketchy, but someone we can rely on and hope, hopefully trusts. Yeah, trust goes a bit a bit too far, but she has proven herself that she knows her stuff. Yeah, which is exactly which is in essence what people need at the at the present. Yeah, and she's basically told Sam that she can save Dean. 
Yeah. She's like, I know a way that we can save your brother. You just have to trust me. And Sam's like, oh, uh, um, I don't know about that, but I'll try. <laughs> because he's a sweet, sweet child. Uh, a sweet, sweet child like that listens to very sobering and heartwarming bedtime stories at night, doesn't he? I'm just setting you up and you're just knocking him down. But anyway, episode five, bedtime stories. Yes, which are some of my favourite stories because they're not Disney-fied. They're yeah. not, you know, cutesy and adorable. Yeah. They are the pure essence of grim tales. Yeah, and it's grim double M but also grim single M because those original stories are dark. Oh, dude, they're some of my favourites. Yeah. Because they have morals, they have stories, and they have more interesting depth to the characters than just, oh yes, this princess was locked in a tower and some guy came and saved her and they got married. It's not even a story. It's just a bunch of stuff. When it's a story, it's just like, there was a princess and she did some things and she hurt some people and she pissed off this one witch and then the witch was just thinking about some stuff and then the witch didn't, you know? Well, yeah. But at the same time. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah. But still, we see another interesting non-demon, non-ghost sort of malevolent force who wasn't really a malevolent force. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a ghost, but it sort of was a ghost. I feel like she was a psychic. Really? Because it was definitely like her spirit was there because her body, there was nothing in her body. Her body was like dead. It was a shell. Yeah. So in essence, it would have been her spirit. Mm, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I figured it might have been like some of the psychics we see in like the later seasons. Some sort of projecting her well outside of the consciousness, outside of the body and stuff. Like the cartoons, dude. Yeah, maybe. I suppose. But she was like 11 uh, when she was poisoned and when, like in essence, her spirit died. Her body just kept on living and kept growing and kept getting older. Yeah. So when you saw that wee child at all of the crime scenes, it was the 11-year-old girl. Yeah. Not the grown version that is asleep in the bed. Yeah. That's the sort of... Um, that's the vision that we see of the little of the little girl ghost is pretty much when the mind sort of passed on, but the body sort of grew and lived, but didn't have a like, consciousness sort of in it. It was yes. still, like, fully comatose. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess either of us could be correct, because I don't think we ever really got an answer to it. It was just kind of like, oh, the young girl, she's been wronged and she's trying to set it right. Um, we don't, we've never really seen this before, question mark. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one to sort of think about, but it also leaves us to assume now that right towards the climax of it, of just the stories being played out as though they were real, being the people being puppeted like, by the ghost or by the psychic spirit... Yeah. We have to wonder, does that mean that Dean's a comparable or better huntsman than Chris Hemsworth? Oh, I mean, do you have to ask that question? Probably not, no. Dude, come on. Yes, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this... this, I, It's a bit weird to say young girl because she's not. This person's father <laughs> is reading to her uh, in her comatose vegetable state. Um, and he happens to be a doctor at a hospital where all of these seemingly unrelated weird cases keep showing up, like, yeah. my brother got eaten by a large man. A large, hairy man. And my husband got drugged and eaten by a lady, an old lady in a, in a cottage in the woods. Yep. And then, you know, 
the evil stepmom did some some bad things to the young 11 year old girl yeah which is exactly standard fare for a wicked stepmother sort of deal but it's not something you'd ever really expect to actually happen but then again she makes these stories come to life in her own way in her own sort of way of coping with being past the other side yeah she you know eventually the boys work out that this uh this callie was poisoned by her stepmother who had the the munchinson's disease yep uh where a person tries to make them think that they're ill when they're not just so that they can get attention yeah um and so this young callie was poisoned she was forced to drink bleach i think it was yeah uh which you know is what cut her spirit off from her body is when she sort of you know died but didn't die as a matter of fact yeah like the mind sort of died but it sort of like separated the spirit so she became a ghost but the body sort of lived in the comatose state without a consciousness that happens a lot in certain coma patients they go sort of brain dead but yeah. like the body sort of like keeps functioning yeah um so the dad's sitting there you know hoping that his his young girl's going to come back and all the while he's reading her the grim fairy tales from yeah. a fairy tale book and she's her spirit her essence is taking this into effect and lashing out at other people to make them happen so that she can get attention so she can tell her dad the real story of what happened so that this young girl can finally move on because it's been a solid what 10 years maybe something like, something like that at least yeah she looked you know old old enough yeah in in her comatose state that it would have been a a while hmm. but the question i was sort of having was would the outcome have been any different if the boys hadn't intervened is this another like indiana jones sort of style or did they speed things along by actually saving those people at the end I that think, red riding hood at the end yeah i think they probably sped some things along because i don't know if the doctor would have ever realized necessarily although he did say that he saw the young cali spirit a few times i don't think he was quite getting the message of you know your ex-wife did this to me she was horrible and mean yeah and tried to kill me because he was very much like oh i'm seeing my dead daughter i think i just need to sleep more instead of jumping straight to the whole you know oh she's a ghost and she has something to tell me yeah then again ghosts and tell something to tell me is a bit of a leap so it's natural to sort of not be like that but still he needed that nudge to sort of help move on yeah and I would like to point out that Dean said one of the most hilarious things, which was, uh, I'm going to go stop the big bad wolf, which is the weirdest thing I've ever said. And I would like to point out to him that, boy, have you got a lot more weirder things coming. It's true. Planes crash and apparently clowns kill and uh, you have to fight the fairies. There are things that come to my mind. Oh my gosh. You, there's just so much more. They keep saying, like, you know, Dean's really tired. Sam's giving up. You know, these are the weirdest things we've ever done, we've ever had to deal with. And I'm like, bruh you've got so many more seasons of this to like sort through and at season three you're already like already done i'm you know like come done on. like Dunzel washington no there's you have a lot to handle yet friends but still it's an interesting thing to sort of see them take on the stories themselves that these monsters sort of originated out of it's a really upbeat episode and i liked it well, I mean, yeah, and then you've got the the slight other side of it where Sam goes out in the middle of the night with the cult to try oh, of and course. get information from the uh, the yeah. crossroad demon that Dean did his deal with. Yep. Um, which, yeah, I mean, you know, Sam thought he could get 
answers out of this demon as to who holds the contract and you know if you kill him can you like stop the contract yeah and this this whole this crossroad demon was like dude that is way above my pay grade yeah i can't tell you nothing and sam went all right fine and shot her dead with the cult just like straight up that was cold absolutely no shits were given yeah and that's sort of the worry that we've been given as to whether or not this is all sam still or if he's just come back a little bit more harsh a little bit more like world weary and beaten down yeah which is like totally natural and also it's interesting the fact that he's gone to investigate this without dean knowing about it because dean finds out later yes but well i think they had a conversation about it and dean was like dude no don't bother i don't want you to ask i don't want you to try and get me out of it because then you die and sam was like i ain't having none of that and snuck out in the middle of the night like a bad school child that's sort of sam's energy anyway yeah pretty much but still we see him feeling the need to go out and investigate on his own but still finding some decent information and killing her for good measure yeah because she did say you know like this there's this one demon that holds all of the contracts it's yep. not i don't have it yeah which so... like in hindsight for people who have seen so far ahead is that we know that who has all of those deals yeah but we know who then goes on to inherit all of those deals oh yeah. buddy i can't wait for that one. <laughs> oh, he's delightful He's so delightful, but still, I'm going to keep on going forth with season three because we're jumping ahead, thinking about certain characters. Yeah, we're going way far ahead of ourselves. Speaking of way far ahead of ourselves, there's a name mentioned in the next episode. Mm, this also shows us a little bit ahead in the future. That is some foreshadowing. Get out foreshadowing. It's unacceptable. Yeah, it's, it, I thought it was weird, but I thought I misheard them when I w- watched it back last. So it is them saying Cassiel. In... Oh, it's definitely Sam saying Cassiel when he's doing the ritual. Yeah, to try and bring up that. Yeah. That other ghost spirit guy. Yeah. But we're, again, getting ahead of ourselves, let's explain why there's a ghost spirit guy first. Yeah. So episode six, Red Sky Morning. Which is interestingly episode 50 of the show. Oh! Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. They did ghost pirates for episode 50. Nice and on the nose. And, and they brought up the name Castiel in episode 50. Yes, they did. They were literal foreshadowing. Yep, maybe they were. Good for them. I Get love it. Get out. That's Well, then great. they're also very aware that, like, seasons one to five, they were a very tight-knit arc that was sort of lightly planned, of just them sort of building up into the apocalypse. Yes, true. So they had the idea of certain characters being here or there or what have you. So them foreshadowing this makes total sense. But it's still a very nice thing to sort of be blown away by. Yeah, just like crept in there. I had to rewind it and I was like, I'm sorry, what did he say? And then he said it again and then I was like, no, no, one more time. And then he said it again and I went, he said it, Castiel! What? But sure enough, he did just sort of like invoke some ghost sailors, which is definitely a surprising sight to think and I'm very happy that it was mentioned. Yes. So the ghost sailors in question uh, was some guy who has decided to go around and drown people um, because he has a problem with people that murder other people of their own family members. Which, yes. I mean, fair enough. Damn good reason. Yeah. And, like, as vengeful spirits go, that's much more virtuous than just stopping, like, gross dudes on the highway and just getting in their cars, like the woman's in white. But this va- it's a valid thing to be, like, a vengeful spirit for, but, like, this one's actually, like, an, like an avenging spirit. Uh-huh. I'm trying to scoot away from you wanting to punch me. That's not going well for you. But we also see, like, an unexpected way of dealing with this ghost in this episode. Because they... Yes. So they... Because he was, uh, you know, tried at sea and then the body was shifted off 
the deck, one assumes, into the water yep. for a proper sailor's burial. Yep. Um, there was nothing left of him to burn and salt as per usual. As per usual. So the boys were at a, a slight bit of a loss as to what to do to get rid of the demon that was drowning people. Um, we once again see the immaculate Bella Talbot in this episode. Yeah, she's she's returned as we'd expect from people in high society and we see her sort of saunter in giving Dean a genuine honest-to-goodness panic attack. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> he, after they've done some research, he comes back and he's like, dude, where's my car? Dude, yeah, I parked it here, right? This is where we parked. Yeah, because he knows exactly where that is. He knows every inch of that car, down to the engine and the contents of the trunk and all of the random Lego bricks and scratches, scratched initials. Yeah. He knows that car and he knows that that's where he parked it. So when it's not there, you see him actually double down onto his knees and start hyperventilating. He, He's having a genuine yeah. panic attack. That was a genuine moment of like, oh my God, I've lost something. I damn care. Like, I really, really care about one of the few things in this world that is mine and I want it and it's gone and then Bella saunters in and she's like oh I'm sorry was that car yours I had it towed and uh, Dean immediately jumps to can I shoot her and Sam goes not Not in public public. which I mean he's basically giving him the okay to shoot her Hmm. which you know yeah that's fair props that's totally fair but still they find themselves having to reluctantly work with her because there's a lead amount in and around some of the high society there on this coastal town. Yes, she is currently um, shafting a granny for some money. Uh, She's trying to... Well, she says she's helping to figure out what happened to her niece, her great-niece, who was one of the people that drowned from the the death pirate dude. Um, But, you know, Bella being Bella was just like, yeah, I'll totally find out. Um, if you give me half of the money now and half of the money later, and then she was just going to take the money and leave. Yep. But Sam and Dean come in and start asking questions and so on and so forth, and then the granny realises that the case is not in fact solved and starts answering questions, which then leads Bella to be pissed off at the boys and to take away the baby. Yep, which is all our declaration of war if you're you're Dean personally. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it would be that far off for Sam either. Yeah. Considering he was like, you shot me. <laughs> how can was, you? Uh, yeah. How can you sleep at night? Yeah. Oh, naked and rolling around on money. Which they, which they kind of pause to think about, as do we. But now nah, she's, she does that because she knows that she's in the position of power. Yeah. She can get away with saying stuff like that. Completely. And then later on, you know, again, her and Dean have some absolute classic banter, yep. where he comes down in a tuck suit, and she's like, "Well, oh, you actually look quite good. We might have some angry sex later." And he's like, don't objectify me. <laughs> Which, again, classic quotable Dean lines. Yep. Well, another one comes a little bit later because you made the joke about her trying to scan or scam or shaft an old lady. But I think there's an old lady who would much rather get shafted by yes, Sam. Yes, by Samuel. Um, he is having a hell of a time trying to... Uh, Keep that one old lady off him. Yeah. She gets a little bit sloppy drunk. Um, yep. And Sam gets gripped, shall we say? That's a yeah, nice way of putting that's, it. that's basically what happens i mean you know not far off sexually assaulted really kind of i think it's a kind of assault on that front but then again he sort of like stumbles away and out to shame and dean just goes up to him and says dude you stink like sex <laughs> which True. i mean you know brother ripping on brother is just an absolute classic you know dude get out of here 
You're, you're sleeping with a granny. <laughs> Nobody wants that. But still, it leads to them finding a very old and fairly gross sort of relic left over from the ghost in question. That Bella's the sort of there for, the, the hand. Yes, the hand of glory, um, which was made from that dead pirate's hand yep. uh, when he got killed. Um which is a very uh, powerful artifact yeah. of you know, occultism. Yeah, and I such. L- yeah, I looked into it. Apparently, if you burn it with a candle, it can ward away bad spirits. Yes, because it's uh, sort of dipped in paraffin wax. Yeah, and if it's taken from the body of someone who was executed at sea, it's uh, uh, got the misdeeds of that particular sailor, and they'll try to avoid sort of that bad energy. Yeah. So the guys didn't particularly have any sort of answer as to how to get rid of this drowning baddie um so they did you know they did some actual smart stuff Hmm. they used the bruns the bruns the bruns and they decided that they would give the ghost what they want which in a normal matter is probably not a good idea because that could lead to catastrophe uh but all this ghost wanted was vengeance on people who murdered family members which begs the question as to why it's so very interested in Bella all of a sudden towards the end of the episode because she saw the ghost ship yep which shortly afterwards means she gonna drown yeah the ghost ship always appears as an omen to those who are about to die to this ghost which is what gets her so interested and wants them to sp- her to speed up the clock to try and get a result and deal with this ghost yeah and Sam's over here doing some ritual voodoo stuff nonsense and he's reeling off this uh this incantation of which he says castiel then then some other words i kind of lost track after that um i heard the important word and then i blacked out for the rest um in which he invokes this uh ghost brother um pirate man and uh and they duke it out and then they both dissipate and they die and bella no longer is drowning which is pretty much what you want from a ritual really just yeah, to... you want, you know, a good ending. <laughs> yeah, which is exactly what happened. Which was another interesting way to sort of deal with the ghost of the week. And a really great way to show an example of ghosts still being relevant in a world that suddenly quadrupled in the number of demons. Yes, it, it definitely, you know, there was, it was, it's very demon heavy this season, but they didn't lose sight of, you know, their monster of the week as they have done in in later seasons possibly um but they were definitely still you know this is what brought us the fan base this is what people watch for we need to give them you know the main storyline and then we've got to give them a few a few side storylines um to keep people interested and they did it very well oh yeah very well indeed absolutely Next town, next stop, next episode. Vamp Gordon. Fresh blood. Boom. God. I... I love this one. I, I, I... It's a classic episode, but at the same time, I don't like him. <laughs> That's the point. He's a good villain. I know. Which, I'm, which is what I'm so torn off about, because obviously the acting is brilliant, and the fact that I hate him is amazing and great, and I'm having good feelings about that. But I don't like him, and therefore I'm having bad feelings. Okay. And I, I need it to be one or the other. I mean, do you? It shows, us just, shows us just how complex the character is. Having two emotions at the same time is exhausting. It is, but it's also good that it's 
being drawn out and you need to like explore that why is the good there and why is the not good there the not good is there because he's a terrible character and I need him to die. Well, that's what you get in this episode, so that's one. And then the good is there because he's a great actor and he's done a fantastic job. It's true, but so what's wrong? That's my problem. Doesn't sound like a problem. Well, either way. Yeah, either way. We catch up with Gordon and his very um, opinionated, fanatical friend. Kubrick. Kubrick, just like, just like that dude who directed the moon landing. No, he didn't. Um, anywho yeah anywho uh, the boys as of, as of well Sam and Dean are investigating some vampiric sort of presence yeah with this town. young blonde lady and she shocked both of them into absolute silence and they gave side eye to each other because this young girl was like this guy had some drugs for me he was so old he was like 30 and both Sam and Dean were like um rude what okay. did he say? What? What? How old? <laughs> uh, and it turns out that what the drug that this guy had for her was in fact vampire blood. Yeah, because all sure, she kept complaining about was just how after she took it she was just so hungry. I thought it was munchies, but I'm like so hungry. I just can't come down. I just want it to stop. I want to come down. And uh, and the only way you can do that is by damn. Is 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 a decapitation. Slice and dice. Which was sad because both of the boys, obviously, they were like, well, she's an innocent girl. She doesn't understand what's happening. She doesn't understand that she is now a vampire. She's not realised the full extent of what's going on. Yep. And, but, you know. But there'd also be little point explaining it to her because she didn't ask for this. She wouldn't be okay with it. And she still is just clamouring for it to stop. So they sort of give her what they want in a mercy killing sort of style. But it's still a hard thing to sort of do. Yeah. Harkens back to... Uh, Sam's werewolf girlfriend in season yeah, two. That's exactly what I was thinking of as well. It's definitely one of those you don't want to see it done, but unfortunately it has to be. Yeah. Which is upsetting for everyone involved, you know, the person that they're killing, the fact that the boys have to do it. And, you know, at the end of the day, the only thing that they can do is to go and get the person that turned this poor girl. Which is exactly what they do. Um, turns out there are other hunters, or specifically Gordon and Kubrick, are in a similar sort of area. And they decide that this is a good time to try and bitch slap Sam out of existence. Yeah, because, you know, they couldn't come to the boys on a quiet day, could they? No, I mean, that would, you know, That'd that be would f- be boring. But it would also be sporting. Um, so it was definitely, you know, Gordon and Kubrick were on the trail of Sam and Dean. Sam and Dean were on the trail of a bunch of werewolves. Gordon got to the werewolves... Werewolves. Vampires. What the hell am I talking about? I'm gonna, gonna remind you of the fact that when we first talked about uh, Gordon's reappearance, you uh, called him Sterling K9. Knight. K- What's his name? Sterling K Brown. Oh, I'm so sorry. But you know what? That's fine. My brain doesn't work. Who needs one? Lots anyway, of people work fine without him. But yeah, they're on the trail of the same sort of vampires. They're on the trail vampires. of vampires. Gordon gets to the vampires first. Some terrible stuff happens in which. Uh, Gordon decides that it would be a good idea to antagonise the vampire that's turning people. Smart boy. Which then only, you know... Gets him turned. Exactly. I mean, the correct answer is, we're going to turn you into the thing that you hate the most. A monster. Of some kind. A vampire. (laughs) And then he still is on this crusade of, I can do one last good thing. I can do two last good things. I can kill Sam and I can kill myself. Yep. 
So there are two less monsters in the world. Yeah, which is what he sets out to do. And without with the boys being sort of aware, but without them fully knowing that he's been turned, it sets up a little trap. Yes. So they call in Bella, who has some information about where Gordon is. Mm-hmm. Um, because she... I can't remember. I can't quite remember why they call her. They owe her or she owes them or something, something, something. Because there's just too many crosses with them in yep. this season. There's just too much backstory with those guys. But Gordon gets turned into a vampire. Bella says, oh, he's at this place. Yep. Um, go go find... Go do the thing. Sam turns into an absolute badass at the end of this episode. Yeah, because Dean gets captured and... Sam has to bail him out or else Dean and this uh, lady hostage will lady who is a hostage yes will be will be sort of dealt with and you know he was going to go for Dean regardless but we see them sort of physically sort of separated and it's just Gordon versus Sam one on one yes and the fight gets so intense and it's probably the most like up close graphic brutal kill that we get in the whole show at least in the early versions of the show yeah definitely for the first four or five seasons at least um, because it's very much, you know, Sam has lost all of his weapons. He has to use what he has at hand. Uh, luckily, they're in a sort of workshop of mm. some kind. Looks like warehouse it. Warehouse yeah, type yeah. Yeah, situation. Um, and <laughs> he reaches over and manages to find some barbed wire. Yeah. And you can only imagine what he's going to do with that. And it takes an effort. He struggles and it takes like a good few seconds to sort of pull through before eventually his head sort of pops right off, which is just pretty yeah. grim he wraps it around that that vampire guy's neck and just pop just pop pop off um and then I think we all cried at the we end did. of that episode because we go from just that intense gruesome spectacle to just Dean realising that okay maybe Sam can handle hunting on his own can and he handle care of himself can he handle this car on his own he starts teaching him, you know, you hear that sound, you hear that rattle, what's that? The carburetor, cool, what's that? The radiator, sick, what do you think it could be? And he's teaching his baby brother about his car, because Dean's not going to be here, and Sam has to take the car. <laughs> Don't look at me. Immense cry, immense cry. Oh. Well, if you want something to lighten the mood, nothing lifts the spirits like Christmas. This was one of the funniest episodes I love this episode so much as we uh, grind into the halfway point yeah episode 8 we get the, we get a very supernatural Christmas which was incredibly supernatural uh, and incredibly so Christmassy Christmas. <laughs> first there was the DC Comics News podcast then came the Spinner Rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night.
Hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. I have to say that this was, I think, one of the first episodes in which I laughed throughout the entire thing. And I was very happy and very joyous. And my mother asked me if I was sitting on a feather because I was laughing so much. Wow, that's a weird expression. Um, yeah. But still, it is, like, one of the funnest episodes, honestly. Oh, Even yeah. Despite the vicious, brutal murdering. Well, you know, that aside, that's in every episode. We're kind yeah. of used to it by now. That aside... <laughs> Just the com- the comedy timing of this episode was perfection. Really, really was. Because we start with us thinking, oh, 
It might be the Krumpus. It yeah. might be evil Santa. Yeah. And they find this greasy old Santa that's really sort of dodgy looking. They break into his ca- uh, trailer in the middle of the night and he's there just sort of like drinking a beer still in his Santa costume. And it's very obviously not him. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You've missed out a few crucial points here. Okay. He was holding a bung. Right. With with beer in the other hand, uh-huh. watching porn. And they bust, they bust right into that site, right? This greasy, gross old dude. Sam and Dean just look at each other and just go, Silent night. Holy night. And they had their weapons out as well. So they had to, like, do a quick hide of the weapons, think up some, like, reason as to why they burst into this man's house. And to be fair, them busting into St. Carol's isn't a reason. No, because normal normal Carol people knock on your door and wait for you to answer. They don't burst in with weapons at the ready and then start singing, not even knowing the words to the song. It cuts away because of the obvious sort of Abba break. Then when it cuts back, it's them getting off the phone and Bobby saying that they're idiots for thinking it's the Krumpus. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, what does Bobby say? That we're idiots. <laughs> oh, nice. But they weren't, I guess, too far off. They yep. got the whole sort of bad Santa pagan... Deal, yeah. Yeah, situation. And they start, just, just yeah. the wrong, Just the wrong guy. Yeah, they start following some clues around like the wreaths and the boughs that people have been looking hanging on their front doors and some of the violence that's been sort of attributed to them as though they've been linked in some Marked, way yeah yep and they find this delightful really cute americana looking couple they've been making these wreaths for the community yeah they're adorable their house is super santa christmas filled mm. and they they play bridge on tuesdays they do like all really delightful old people do I hear um yeah I pass not doing that um so Sam and Dean are like oh we were just wondering about the reeds do you have any left meadowsweet that's such an interesting choice why would you choose that and they're like oh it's just such a delicious smell don't you think yeah and then they're like "Hmm, okay well that seems nice I guess and then they go away because they were like well it can't be an old old couple people that's weird and not likely but boy were they wrong yes indeed something about people who look so wholesome on the outside but do just terrible things that i find really delightful in my villains like uh Dolores, oh yeah like the, like those guys in dolores umbridge oh well she was just a you know but she looks so wholesome but she's just venomous like no you look at her without any preconceptions so there's like this little harmless like lady in her like fifties or sixties, all in pink, with cats that dr- sips tea. She looks like harmless, and then she opens her mouth and does things, and you make her want to die. No, see, the second you see a little old lady all dressed in pink with like an affection for cats to the degree of it's psychotic, alarm bells start ringing for me. Not because of her character mm. in general, but just because I'm like, well, you're too sweet. That can't be like a real life human thing that happens. Well, in that case, you're probably correct, because in real life, that is not old person that has just happened. But we get that feel from these, from the old yes, couple. Yes, they are very, like, wholesome and, and cute, and, and they're like, oh, we love each other, we love Christmas, isn't it just such a delightful time? 
But then they realise how much Meadow Sweet costs, and they realise that this lady was giving the wreaths away for free, and they're like, oh no, something's dodgy going on. So they break into the house. They do a, they do a quick break and enter. Yep. And that's when everything starts to go slightly downhill. <laughs> yeah, because they find the basement full of the bodies. They they find the dead peeps. Yep. Um, and all of the blood, and the the terrible, gruesome Santa outfit that's now just drenched in, you know, other people's liquids. Yep. Um, and then they get knocked out. They get knocked out. But they get up again. Tied to chairs. They get up again. Technically. With, with their fingernails pulled out. Um, and almost teeth, and you know blood and you know what they should say instead of swearing fudge fudge if you touch me again i'm gonna fudge and kill you a boy now you're getting it oh gosh but then That's again so they also, yeah then as part of their research for all the pagan figures like this they realize that the best way to get them is with stakes made out of pine yes so how do evergreen. they yeah evergreen evergreen bells so how do they get them stick them with a christmas tree so good. The second they pulled those twigs off of the Christmas tree, the branches off of the Christmas tree, I was like, yes, stab them with the tree. Stab them with the tree. I mean, the best use for it, other than, you know, just decorating and ordering the best way to sort of arrange a tree over a Christmas night. Christmas is going to be weird. Christmas feels like a long time since it was actually Christmas. Well, it's coming soon. And if you want to go back and rewatch this episode, you can have like three Christmases in one because you get. The flashback Christmas. Oh, the flashback Christmas was so delightful with Baby Sam and Baby Dean. Oh my god, they're so cute! They're so cute! Oh, Baby Sam was an absolute sweetheart. Yeah. Both of them are just emotionally stunted from day one. Yeah, but then again, they sort of would be with that fathership. Yeah. Living that lifestyle. And and, and Baby Dean, who tried to give Sam the best Christmas, and he yep. went and stole presents from the house up the road, but they were like, you know... Are these chick presents? Feminine presents. <laughs> Of Barbie dolls and, and a twirling pole. Um, and Sam has a special gift that he wants to give his dad from Uncle Bobby, which I thought was super so cute. cute. But instead, that's how we find out about the origin of the Samulet. Oh my gosh, the Samulet! Which Dean uh, still wears around his neck um, to the day of season three. I'm not going to say to this day because, you know, yep. stuff and things. Um, but to the day of season three in which this episode was being filmed, yep. he was still wearing it around his neck. And... Uh, Good lord you know the fact that sam was like no i want you to have it dad's not here and you are here and you know you're trying mm. to do this nice thing for me and i want you to have it and dean's face just lights up yep and much in the same way dean's face lights up at the end of the episode when they're all grown up again and he comes back to a very christmasy looking motel room because sam has said throughout the entire episode i don't want to do christmas i can't do christmas with you yeah. and dean's you know he was like this is my last christmas i want to do it and sam was like that's why i can't do it yeah they had very you know difference in opinions um but they had a very cute and sweet heart to heart at the end of it they bought each other presents which <laughs> were awful yeah <laughs> but i'm sure meant to a lot to each other yeah and in their own way it was just like a really good gesture for the last christmas another thing was um not Sam. Jared's reaction to sipping the eggnog, that was real because Jensen spiked it really hard between takes. I'm sure you knew this. Yes, Jared or Jensen? Who are you talking about? Sam reacted, so Jensen spiked Jared's. Okay. Yes, there was. I did know that they used like proper alcohol, and they did like <laughs> they did they did a little bit of a of a of a heavy-handed drinky drinky. Just, just a bit too much. But they like doing that on set. Yeah. Do you see the announcement? Was it the announcement for like, 
oh, the thing you announced for the, the fact they've been renewed for like seasons 13 and 14. It was just Jaron Jensen in like one of their trailers talking, and they were very obviously smashed. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. I'll have to find it somewhere. Oh my gosh, that but sounds awesome. They're like, oh, yeah, we have a great news for the announcement for the fans. No, no, no. We don't announce it, but this is just for us. I just want to talk to you about some stuff. And it just goes on for like that for a bunch of while. Oh my gosh, I can't. That's oh, great. To... Yeah, I'll find it somewhere. No, that Christmas episode was absolutely fantastic. Really, really was. It was, you know, a great halfway point to the season. Yep. Which brings us to the next half of the season. Episode 9. Wobba Bois. Uh, Maleus Maleficarum. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I don't do the whole other language Latin thing. Yeah, the the hammer of the witches that do bad things to bad things. That's what literally what I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure it does. I'll trust you on that one. Yes, yeah, so we get the uh, the witches for the first time. The, the witches. The witches. Witches. Which which monsters are there? The witches. Which monster? No, but the witches. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just pissed about. Um, but yeah, we see them sort of at their force in the worst book club ever in this episode. Well, I mean, it could either be the worst book club ever or the best book club ever, depending on how you look at it. I mean, like, I'd like my book clubs to have a lot less murder. Really? Yeah. Like, in the books or in, like, in the real life? Oh, in the real life. In the books, oh. the books, in the, books the murder's welcome. Alright, fair enough then. I was like, well, that's a boring book then. <laughs> no, so there was, unfortunately, just a little bit too much blood mm. involved in this book club. Um, real life blood, because the book that they were reading from was a uh, book of spells, a book yep. of shadows. Um, unfortunately, people lost their teeth and drowned in their own blood. Which nobody wants. Other people almost choked to death on maggots. Which people definitely don't want. Um, and then there was the uh, unfortunate cutting of wrists they just suddenly appeared up their arms which yep. was just really grim yeah um and then there was the snap of the neck nobody wants that yeah they were just chanting it because they thought that they were getting like cute random. little like i want a vacation to hawaii yeah it's like oh i just saved so much on the premium for my car insurance uh, when as a matter of fact the more spells they did the more their souls were owned by the demon bitch. Yep, the one that brought the book to the book club and was just like, mwahaha, I know exactly what's up. I am in meat suit. You yes. owe me soul. You owe me soul. Thanks. Thanks for... I'll take that and leave. Bye. Because, to be honest, if they were reading it properly, that could have been just like a demon yellow pages. Could have been anything. I mean, yeah, c- mm. you know, they had absolutely no idea what was what and how it was going on. Um, and then there was some death involved, which naturally brought the boys to town. They were like, excuse me, what's happening? Oh, it's these this gaggle of Stepford wives all reading from the book club. And then uh, Dean does yet again another quotable moment of, you know, I hate witches. All the bodily fluids and <laughs> they never keep it to themselves. He's right, though, between like all of the bile and the blood and the vomit and all the stuff they've made the potions out of. And he... he... He's an animal protector. He's so angry at the witches yeah. when he's like, "Why is it always rabbits? Poor rabbits." Yeah, because like they probably like string them up with like the like this, the is it osteomancy or the like the sort of divination where you look through organs and stuff. Something I think of with witches. Yes, uh, it's like the throwing of the stones and, and organs and whatnot of tiny animals. Yeah, apparently lets you see the future. Yeah, not necessarily those witches. I'm always thinking of the. Of Michelle Pfeiffer and those witches from Stardust. Yes, that's also what I was thinking of. Yeah. Where you, they cut open a tiny fox and then they use their liver as like premonition stones. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. 
Um, but yeah, and then and then you know Sam and Dean come rocking up, and they're like, "No witches, not today. Thank you very much. You keep your bodily fluids inside of yourselves. <laughs> we don't like it here. Nobody wants that." Uh, and you know, Sam goes off to shoot people and kill some stuff because Dean is being choked to death, and Sam can't find the hex bag. Yep. So Sam's off on a <laughs> on a rampaging bang bang killing spree. Out. And Ruby rocks up to the motel room, squirts some black liquid stuff into Dean's mouth, and then is just like, are we done here? Cool, let's go save your brother now. Yeah. It's just so rewarding just to see her just stroll in and take charge of every scene she's in. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, she is a steed stealer. You cannot, you always want to know more about her. She's a super interesting character you know absolutely nothing about. You find out a little bit more in this episode. Yeah, that she's um, helping and trying her best because she actually has some insight into who might have the insole, especially when she talks out of the other demon. Uh, I was thinking more about the fact that you actually find out that she used to be a witch when she was a human, which is how she became a demon. Yeah. Um, because... Yeah, and she was alive really recently, which is why she's so interested in helping. Yes, it was the demon that was inside of one of the um, Stepford wives at book club um, recognised Ruby immediately and was like oh look one of mine you were always my best student yep. but you were such a disappointment and then they do the whole you know uh, whoops let's get in a fight about it I'm very angry at you you know oh no you, you did the thing and oh whoops and then Dean comes out of nowhere and just does a stabby stabby stab but it works it works out with Ruby's special demon killing knife I love that knife yeah, me too. I love I love that knife. Yeah, you do. It's a good knife. But yeah, and then then they get a nice Dean and Ruby chat at the end of that episode. Which is probably the first real time we see this because he still doesn't trust her like at all. Yeah, this is probably like the first interaction that they have that's not them, you know, <laughs> just trading insults the entire time. Yep, which is also really satisfying to see. But you know. She saved his bacon and he saved all of theirs with means that she brought. So there's an understanding there. There's no real easing attentions, but they sort of like become the teeniest bit more chill. Yeah. And, you know, Dean was like, is there any chance of you actually helping me get out of this deal? And she's like, no. And he's like, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I'm going to turn into a demon, aren't I? And she was like, yeah. Any, any human that ends up in hell eventually becomes a demon it might take centuries or even longer but you will eventually forget all of your humanity and become a demon yep and it's those fears that sort of like bubble away in his subconscious that leads on to becoming something he can visually be afraid of in the next episode yeah which very like it comes to fruition (coughs) excuse me comes to fruition in the next episode um in episode 10 dream a little dream of me classic absolutely lovely title and very on the nose yeah because it's um being able to twist and magically manipulate dreams of a way. Yes, uh, you get an opening of, of Bobby in a hospital bed in which I think everybody immediately goes, No! Whoa, 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 why is he there? What's happening? Bobby! <laughs> no! But sure enough, we want to figure out what's going on, as do the boys who show up pretty quickly, almost immediately. Oh yeah, they drop whatever they were doing in whichever dive bar they were doing it in, and they're like, Bobby's in trouble, you got it, let's go. Yep. 
they show up and they find out that this hospital's very much involved in some very strange dream sort of experiments. Yeah, the case that Bobby was on, there was a doctor who died who was doing some interesting sleep experiments on people who can't dream, um, in which they take some, like, African dream root powdered tea. Which turns you into a real Frey Prince Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you do some sleepwalking uh, lovely nonsense. Yep, because that stuff's very prominent in like lots of Central African religions, being able to spirit walk, to be able to control and lucidly dream, but also like walk between worlds and stuff. Yes, um, and you know, Dean and Sam figure out that the only way to talk to Bobby and to get him out of his coma is to go into Bobby's mind, um, in which they need to imbibe a little bit of Bobby. Uh, so they take some hair. And they put it in their polyjuice potion. Oh, essence of Bobby. And then they go to sleep. Um, and they end up in Bobby's head, in which they go two separate ways to try and find Bobby. Dean stays in the house, and Sam leaves the house and goes into saturated hell. Ah, <laughs> uh, your f- photography editing prowess is going through just because it looks really distorted. Oh my gosh, it was... Because, obviously, in the sort of seasons one to i want to say five-ish they have sort of like a grimy look about them they definitely put like a filter on the camera where it it takes it to like a sepia tone level but when sam steps out of that door and he suddenly becomes saturated contrast like you have all of the colors under the rainbow yeah it reminds me of the later seasons when they sort of does bring the color back in and they're like i'd love to like actually pay attention to when they make that switch is it i'm looking for it don't you worry i'm sure you are and you'll be able to tell but i feel like it's somewhere in season six yeah i definitely don't think it's before the apocalypse popcorn lips Jeez, that was difficult for me to say um but yes so they are in bobby's head dean is um you know yelling at bobby that it's not real it's all a dream that's not your wife she's you know that's not whoever that's supposed to be you didn't do the thing um which you find out later he did actually do the thing yeah his his wife was possessed by a demon bobby obviously didn't know that at the time and stabbed her to death because she was obviously the demon inside of her was doing some uh, right nasty stuff as demons do um and the only way that demon knew back in demon the only way that bobby knew back in the day uh, to fix it, obviously, was to do a quick murder. Yeah. Whereas now he is much more... It's knowledgeable. Which intellectual is, about yeah. the matter. Which is uh, what led him into his hunter, hunting life. And it's something I think we'd heard about, but this is us actually getting like a real sight into it and as gruesome as it is. And that's where you, where I think like Bobby gets really grounded into like the teams all really heavily oh yeah like you're giving him a backstory we're seeing him more often the boys are going to him for advice more often he's definitely sticking around for a while yeah which is pretty much what you want and definitely something that those boys need yes um so there is you know sam goes off into the saturated hell dean manages to get bobby to realize it's a dream whilst this is happening sam meets this dream wanderer yeah the one of the kids from the experiments who can't dream because he got hit in the head with a baseball bat by his terrible, terrible father at the age of 10. Um, And, you know, they're going at it, and then Bobby wakes up, and so they all wake up because they're in Bobby's head. So, after realising that, (laughs) what happens is uh, Dean accidentally 
had a drink with him earlier on in the episode where he was trying to get some uh, details out of the guy. And um, Bobby's like, oh yeah, rookie move, me having a drink on the job, giving him my saliva, he can get into my head whenever he wants now. Yeah, so then Dean realises he can do that and he goes, stays awake for like three days? Uh, I think it was two or three days, yeah. Which is about about the threshold for like the for like the record the average human person who can stay awake without dying yeah um and he is bitchy when he doesn't get some sleep it's normal you know but still i mean yeah he like probably threw a temper tantrum on the phone yeah, with I'll just blow my brains out throws the phone away yeah great thanks i'm just gonna go blow my brains out gosh i mean calm down sir um so yeah they can't find this guy who has disappeared uh Dean suddenly realises he doesn't care um, so and the he, only yeah. way to, to get the guy would be to like lure him out in in the dreams yes to to fall asleep and actually let him at it yep he has some very particular dreams which gives us a real insight to the frail-ish mental state he's in oh yeah that lovely lady sitting on a picnic basket and she's like, come on, we don't have long before we have to go pick up Ben from school. And Sam's face, and he's looking at his brother like, this is the life you actually want. This is where you want to be right now. And Dean's like, don't look at me. Stop it. I've never had this dream before. Could we totally believe that? I'm more interested in what the dream sort of evolves into because... Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, you know, <laughs> you're your own worst enemy situation. Yep. As Sam is distracted within the dream world, we see Dean literally struggling against himself. Yes, it was... Uh, I mean, the acting in, in that scene was, you know, phenomenal. Um, there was the normal Dean who was like, I'm not going to take any of this nonsense. You're like, oh my goodness, yeah, I'm my own worst enemy, I get it, whatever. Um, and then the other guy, who was the dream version, was just absolutely raking him through the coals. <laughs> Because that's the version he f he's scared of, and that's the version that has been in hell for a little while. This is the Dean demon. Yes. That he'll eventually see, and even get when he thinks he's got this version beat, comes back with the big black eyes. And he's like, this is what you're going to become. This is who you really are. You're a daddy's little soldier. You're good. You deserve hell. You want to die. And then Dean absolutely flips the switch. He's like, I don't want to die. I'm not daddy's little soldier. This is not me. I am a good person. I deserve to be happy. And I'm like, oh, really? Do you? Do you? Your subconscious doesn't agree with you. Because, you know, we've been telling you this for like three and a half seasons now. Yep, but it turns out that many psychological issues are going to really add up for a while. So your own subconscious mind believes all that really negative stuff, which is sad. And whilst all that's happening, Sam goes full on, you know, I have powers, you don't. Yep. Because... Oh, you, you only have the powers because you've been drinking African Dream Root? Well, guess what, buddy? So have I. And then he creates this boy's father out of thin air. Just to really mess with him. But that's a, a dirty tactic, but a way to sort of incapacitate the dude. Yeah, I mean, I've got to give it to him. It was a smart move. Um, and then they all wake up and they find out that uh, the person who gave them the African Dream Root, Bella Talbot, she's back. What up? She here. Hey, girl. Um, she stole the cult. While they were all in dreamland. She literally went in and she took the only demon-killing weapon that they have. Because she was asked to go get it by something. By we don't know what. Need more. Oh dear. That lady, she's got some answering to do. Yeah. These poor, poor, poor people. 
Yeah, they'll have to search around for for a while because they're going to be stuck in time for a while. Well, they're going to have some Tuesdays to get through before they can go find Bella. But they'll find her and, like, hopefully they don't act too rashly in the heat at the moment. Oh, oh, oh! Oh. But anyway, episode 11. Mystery spot, which is... I wrote precisely no notes about this episode because I don't need any. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I think it is one of the most fan-favourite episodes out of every single season. It truly is, honestly. Everyone sort of knows the sort of allure of Richard Spade Jr.'s trickster so well. And it's just the combination of this and... Oh... This and the t- the one where they're stuck in TV land. Oh my gosh, yes. I can't wait to get to that one. That's yeah. a few seasons down the line, though. Yeah, but still, this one I think is probably more recognisable. Yes. Because of the quality of the meme that the fan base has made out of Heat of the Moment by Asia. <laughs> it's Tuesday. But yes- it's Tuesday. <laughs> Yesterday was Tuesday, but today is Tuesday too. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then you've got the whole pig in the poke. And then, you know... Oh, every single line in this episode is quotable. Do it's these tacos complete, taste funny to you? Yeah, it's a complete meme. It's absolutely fantastic. Even, even the subtitles. Dean randomly dies in the shower. Yes. Oh, I love the subtitles. It's so good. It's such a well put together episode. Sam has precisely no idea what's happening. Um, it's just repeating the day over and over and over again. Um, yeah, a full time loop like that would really set people off and it's not something that's like super out there but it's still something that's so unlikely that the guys are really set at twitter about it and just freaked out by it and it gets to that point where if you've been in the type of long enough sure enough sam knows everything which is why he's able to get that one bit of detail as to what's caused this yeah that tiny tiny bit of detail about the syrup was spectacular why is he eating maple? Why is he eating cherry today? It's not cherry. He has maple syrup. Strawberry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's like the last hundred Tuesdays. The guy has maple syrup, and today he decides to have strawberry. No. No. Something's up. Goes after him and finds. And he's like, "What is this? Not America? You can't choose what syrup you've been having." <laughs> not today. Not that food. Not this diner. But sure enough, they find uh individual entity that we thought was beaten from season two, but is curiously not. Because. Um, he's obviously, you know, supposed to be here still, sort of, question mark. We don't know what he is. (laughs) But we think we know what he is. We think we... We think he's a trickster. Yeah. Sure. Not saying anything more on that subject. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, he realises who it is and what's happening, and he's got his his stakey-stakey to go kill the guy. Yep. Um, But... this, this lovely trickster... The lovable trickster. ...has decided that, you know, don't kill me and I'll let it be Wednesday. And then it's Wednesday and Dean still dies. And stays dead. For six months. Messes Sam right up. I mean, he goes into full-on psycho mode. Yeah, he cuts off of him everybody, Bobby and all the other hunters, researching this trickster, finding ways to get... Any sort of clues as to his whereabouts or how to summon him or conjure him until eventually he finds one that brings them right back to that spot after the six months. I mean, that whole montage of him going around doing so, he was so like methodical about it. There was no emotion there whatsoever. It was very much like, I'm making the bed now. I'm turning into the bathroom now. I'm doing the things that I have to do. There is no 
way for me to go about doing this other than I need to find him and I need to get Dean back. This is not yeah. how it was supposed to go. Yeah. Which really makes us worry about, is this what Sam will become after Dean goes? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that was the entire point of the trickster. You know, he's trying to teach Sam a lesson. You will always be each other's weak spots and everybody knows that. You need to let this one go. There is no way of breaking the deal. You've got to just accept it and move on. Which he nods, listens to, and fully ignores as he demands Dean back. Yes. He's like, give me my brother back. Please, just give him back to me. Um, and, and I wanted to hug Sam. Yeah. I wanted to hug him. I think me and Sam, we got to a, a good place this yeah. season. Because you started off thinking he was so whiny. I know, and he was, but you know what? Season three is where he's really pulled through for me. Yeah. He had some good moments. He had some really interesting character arcs. You know, the he was hit really hard when he lost his shoe. And I think we're there. I think we're finally there. Got there, kids. It's exactly what we wanted. Um. So, you know, we go back to that Wednesday for the second time. Gonna get back in time. And, uh... <laughs> sounds like, is this not just the most amazing song you've ever heard? I mean... I will actually call Dean out on his taste in music because Huey Lewis and the News are a classic. And well, he's just... yeah, but it's not heat of the moment. <laughs> yeah, but he had, he doesn't really need to like be so down on them as he was in that episode, man. They are certifiably a belter, but he doesn't need to be so negative on them as he was in the episode. But like, you know, Asia is still a gem, which is not like something I expect Dean to be interested in. They're much more like glam and showy. He usually likes his battles. Well, I mean, yeah, that is true. But at the same time, it is an absolute classic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did write down a list of how Dean died. Oh, this will be good. In Go every on situation. Go on, I don't want to hear this. So the first I... one was he was shot in the mystery place yeah. as they were trying to break and enter and do some research. Yeah. The second one was he got run over by a car. Yeah. The third one was that he got squished by that large cabinet yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Being winched up, yeah. Yeah. Um, the fourth one was that he choked... On the tacos? The sausages. Oh, yeah. In the t- hey, the Sam, I've ever done with this before. Can I have sausage instead of bacon? And then he choked on it. He choked on sausage. Yep. And then he slipped in the shower. Dean Renham, he dies in the shower. And then, do these tacos taste funny to you? <laughs> and then electrocution. Because he was trying to plug in his electric shaver. Yep. And then him and Sam were fighting over an axe because Sam had gone absolutely spastic by this point. Yeah and lost his shit um, and I think Sam may have accidentally killed Dean <laughs> in a in an axe to and fro um, and then Sam goes and questions that young girl about the posters she's holding and Dean tries to make friends with the dog and the dog, the dog mauls. mauls him and kills him and then on that Wednesday morning he once again got shot by a gun yeah but on the first Tuesday, he was shot by the dude who owned the mystery spot. On the Wednesday, he, he was, was shot, shot by some rando. By, no, it was that was homeless it? guy, Caleb. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, yes. So, in all, all in all, those were the only ten that we saw out of a hundred plus Tuesdays. So, let the, emotion, the imagination fill in. What could have possibly happened? For the other 90-ish. Yeah. I mean, Sam, that poor child, has I mean, been through... That. Just about enough. Just about enough, yeah. And I bet you the one death that they didn't do was death by Hellhound. Oh, yeah, no. no. I mean, 
they did Death by Death by Dog. So I, I mean, I guess. Which is, I think, is also partly the point because the way they do it when we cover it at the end of the series is just so, so, so that I don't think they. It was right that they didn't do it that way. Yeah. Because they needed to be saved and it needed to be seen and it needed to be the real way. Yeah. The way that stuck, you know. Indeed. Speaking of sticking, this guy just can't get them on any kind of charge. It's true. He just can't make it stick. No. Episode 12, Justin Bellio. Bello? I don't think I'm pronouncing that. Uh, I think it's uh, something to do with like some legal stuff that I Googled. Ah, Sam, help a girl out. Yeah, I Googled it before we started recording and then I completely forgot it. Cool, never mind. Don't care. So, yeah. Um, well, guess who's back? Back again. Not shady. Agent Hendrickson. Hendrick's back. Tell all your friends. Uh, he has decided, with a, a tip-off from Bella Talbot, that uh, today is a good day, a very, very good day, to take the Winchesters in to prison and never let them go. Because he's been looking for them for several counts of something. Yeah. For a very a, long time. An, since an increment two. of time. <laughs> yeah. Because who knows how time has worked with all the Tuesdays. But still, he was able to find them thanks to Bella's tip-off and, yeah, was able to actually get them in into a local police station and, in the middle of the night, captured with transfer any minute. It seems pretty inevitable. Right up until the point... Some demons show up. Not some demons. Many demons. Like 30-odd demons. Or even more. Well, one does, like, inside the police station, yes. and then brings the others. Yes. So it was originally uh, Hendrickson's boss. Yeah. Um, he turns up and is like, oh, no, that's fine. You've got to do some paperwork. I'm just going to go check on the guys in the cell, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes in, and he tries to shoot them. Yeah. Um, well, he actually succeeds in shooting Dean. Yeah. Just, a, just like, he was shot a little bit. He was a little bit with the bullet inside of his shoulder. Oh, jeez. Um... And then Sam becomes smart. Yeah. And he uh, he asks for a towel, in which the lovely receptionist Nancy. Yeah. Goes to get. And if you know, if you if you if you recognise her and you don't know where from, yep. um, if you watch Lucifer, she is in fact in yes. that. She's Ella, Ella Lopez. Ella Lopez. She is uh, again, you know, supernatural. Yeah. Entity show in that show um very religious little police informant lady yes she is almost basically almost kind of the same sort of energy yeah yeah um but i mean she's adorable in this she she you know she's a a cute little receptionist lady who's very uh god-fearing very you know catholic and correct um poor thing (laughs) And then, so she gets the boys a towel, and Sam reaches over and he grabs her, and consequently her Christian chain off of her neck. Yep. In which they manage to make toilet holy water. Holy toilet water. Oh, good grief! What has it come to? Yep. Because that wasn't because that was how they were actually able to deal with the demon in that one particular police officer. Because Hendrickson really uh, tr- struggles with his uh, Bob Marley lyrics, doesn't he? Yes, yes, he does. He does an accidental shot of the sheriff. But but you didn't shoot the deputy. God, I love Dean. Good grief. Uh, in a crisis like that, 
you have to be you have to really respect someone to come out with that I mean it's not you know it's just Dean he doesn't even need to do it in a crisis it's just an everyday thing for him isn't it but like you don't think to compartmentalise or like handle the situation even the tiniest bit different no okay fair enough no if I'm gonna be who I am then I'm gonna be it through every situation yeah What's the point in changing just because something traumatic's happened? Yeah, and to be fair, something traumatic happens for them all the time, so right. it's just fairly standard. Yeah, everyday life. But still, uh, seeing an actual vision of the supernatural in front of them, Henriksen comes on side pretty quickly and deals as the police station comes under siege. Of so many demons, it's So many demons. It's just wow. Yeah, and then And then they do a smart brain moment. They have a big brain, unbelievable they smart They do, in brain. fact, have a big brain play. I'm about to do what's called a pro gamer move. Oh my god! Ah, listen, with the exorcism over the speakers. Yeah, because there's they can't touch him. It's with just so Ruby's good. knife, they that's a no cult. They can't touch the demons other any other way. There's too many of them. Oh yeah, Ruby rocks up. Ruby rocks up. She's like, I just fought my way through thirty demons to get in here, and I am gonna sacrifice sacrifice myself for you guys because I have. Uh, ritual that's gonna kill all demons within a certain radius um, including vaporising myself Mm -hmm. so you're welcome all you need is a version (laughs) there's one oh poor Nancy and she's like I'll do it and the boys are like excuse me no no you won't well no I say the boys it's Dean and Hendrix yeah it's not Sam Sam's sort of like on the fence about it yeah he's like well it's one one girl or 30 people outside yeah those are your options yeah because having to deal with the demons would involve killing the people inside which is not okay so the way that they decide to go about it is not do Sam's plan yeah which is correct which is funny because Sam usually is the one with the plans yeah but this time this time they they have such a big brain play good grief it was awesome there was actual thought involved yeah they just funneled everybody inside and then played the exorcism out on a loop over the announcer speakers and it worked it worked super well I, I'm amazed that it did because I figured that words of power would need to be spoken directly like, to from, someone yeah. yeah but with like you know meaning and essence but nah glad it didn't yeah glad it saved all of their butts uh, right up until the point where it didn't yeah when this small tiny child thing rocks up and goes all white eyed and then is like, I'm looking for guys, two two guys, one of them's really tall and one of them's really cute. Which just totally works and washes well, but we figure out that that's a much more powerful entity than we'd have figured, but still it blow up the entire police station, Kevin Hendrix and Nancy and a couple of other police officers. Which basically is, you know, everybody that they just saved. So what they've done is null and voided everything that just happened. So whatever that white-eyed entity was is pure evil and very ruthless and something we should hate and also fear. Which we find out from Ruby, as she says it's the up-and-comer that's going after Sam, Lilith. Yeah, some manner of new powerful demon. Yeah, who just is apparently a complete bitch. Yeah. I mean, most demons are. But this one's like specifically so. Yeah. To be able to do that while possessing a little kid, something else that we've not really seen demons have to do. 
creepy with, demon child is creepy. Yeah, with that like heavy loss to the emotional lever of the boys, is to catch up with that one character of Agent Henderson and then just have that huge reversal. It just like it's a huge emotional loss for us, the viewer, seeing Seventeen go through that. So it's really nice to see that we can catch up with some classic characters, and it just be the most rip roaring delight in episode 13 ghost faces an absolute meme episode if i've ever seen one but i appreciate them having the effort of actually filming it like uh, a documentary like a found footage sort of documentary yeah, 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 about absolutely. like all those ghost hunters and junk i mean don't get me wrong the camera work absolutely annoyed me but, but i think that was kind of the point it was kind of the point because it's not just like shaky cam it was bad shaky cam yes it was atrocious yeah can you please focus on something god damn it shaky cam but sure enough, we get Zed Moore and Spangler, the classics of the ghost faces from season one that we haven't seen since. Yeah. Just, like, rock up. And the episode's framed, like, wait, are we even watching Supernatural at this point? Yeah. Because, like, an actual pilot episode for their ghost hunter reality show. And they're sitting there in two chairs in sort of, like, tuxedo nonsense <laughs> things. and they're, Black and white. They're like, so... If you're watching this, you must be some, like, bigwig exec type and you're seeing this because this is the pilot of our new show and what you're going to see here is going to blow your minds and, oh my god. <laughs> it works, somehow. It really worked, yeah. There was just chaos. It was absolute chaos. Because they go into this haunted house, but they weren't, ex- I don't, th- I think part of them wasn't expecting it to be actually be haunted. I think they were hoping it was going to be haunted, but I don't think they had actually fully prepared themselves for the inevitability of... Hauntedness. Yeah. You know, real life. Oh, that's a haunted thing. That's a ghost thing. Whoops. Oh, no. And, like, it was, like, one part Supernatural, two parts Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Hot damn, man. Because they literally do run from this ghost from so many angles until eventually, like, like about a third of the way into the episode, they hear huge bumps at the door and then come, you boys. Oh, your boys with the Sam and the Dean and the... Oh, hello. They can actually do the job. They can actually do the job and they take charge pretty quickly. I remember back when I was actively on Tumblr a lot. I haven't been on in a while. But I remember this one post where someone was commenting on the gifts of the camera following Dean and just being like, don't follow me. I'm here to do my bleep job. Yeah. And I remember someone commenting saying, my family can't really watch Supernatural because they can't buy the character of Dean because Dean seems like the kind of character who swears a lot. That's the thing. This is also the problem I have because when he was doing this job, it was you know you got you got to saw the the reality as it were hmm. of Sam and Dean as characters, and they swore so much more vigorously because they were able to bleep it out in the Ghost Faces show. Yeah. And this is the thing I had or I had this problem as well. I was like, wow, the absolute language in this episode is atrocious. But when you think about like the circles they run in and the stuff they deal with. That is how they would talk. That is how they would be. Yeah, 100%. So. The fact that they have to make it sort of like PG or like PG-13 for the rest of the seasons is slightly unrealistic. Yeah. But then again, we're also trying to apply realism to a show with like ghosts and monsters and stuff. Yes. You know. So I can forgive it, but I'm glad that the, the writing team acknowledges the fact that this is how these kind of characters would talk. And yeah... This is how they would appear, like in real, in the, if they were real. But we can't do that because of these reasons. So here's how they would seem as close as we can get it. Please forgive us. Yeah, you know they've given us like 
you know, we've we've unfiltered it for you, and we've just put on beeps where they would say the bad words. Yeah. Um, to prove a point, but because we want to keep our show and our jobs, <laughs> we we can't have them actually saying that in the actual episodes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but there were some freaking classic lines in this episode. Yeah, because again, well, just like episode eleven, I didn't really take notes. I just took two quotes that I know off of the top just as the episode was starting. You gotta go be gay for that dead intern. You've gotta go be gay for that poor dead intern. And then the ever classic Gay love, gay love can pierce through, through the veil, veil of death, death and, and save the, the day. day. I mean, one, it can. Two, it did. And B, that's just so wholesome. I mean, the fact that this even happened is mind-bogglingly great. And he said it with such like straight sincerity, sincerity. yeah a hundred percent and then there was the whole you know in my duffel bag there's some salt you gotta make a circle and you gotta stand in it and they were like the, the duffel bag and he's like no in the salt you idiot <laughs> and again you get the the you know pure character of dean with the absolute newbies of ghost faces yeah um and that poor poor dead gay intern Corbett, who, you know, wanted to just impress his boss, who he had a crush on, and he ended up dying, and then he ended up saving the day, because Ed came up and was like, I love you, I'm gonna remember you, but you have to do this for me. And it was all just so sweet, and nice, and innocent. And then, at the end of the day, Sam and Dean are sitting there watching this. Yep. Which is when you realise that you're watching Supernatural. And not ghost faces. Yes, because we are still watching Supernatural, but they're watching their own exploits back as ghost faces. And they're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. Because that's actually when... So when that pilot episode finished of ghost faces and it actually goes into the, like, air quote, Supernatural episode, close air quote, um, is actually when the whole, you know, like, starring Jensen Ackles, Jared Padalecki, blah, 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 came up on the screen. Like, right at the end, which really threw you. But it makes total sense because we weren't watching Supernatural until that moment. We were watching Ghostfaces. Yeah. <laughs> but sadly, it's, uh, the actual Ghostfaces are uh, relegated to our memory because... They were just too much for this world. It's true. Because that was actual legitimate documented proof of ghosts. And it's much more safe to keep that knowledge a secret. So they did an electromagnetic wipe of all of the systems. Which again, was incredibly smart. They had some very big brain plans this They've season. They've had some big brain plans. They really have. I am impressed with the boys and their mm. mental capacities. They've done growth things. Which we get on to the next episode of they kind of regress into childhood bickering again. Well, they would do considering who they hear from in air quotes. What mm-hmm. voice they hear. But whether or not it's actually the voice of their long lost father is another thing to behold. It's not. It, I mean, it's not. It's really not. Super duper not. We can tell you that right now. <laughs> episode 14, Long Distance Call was I don't know, it was an interesting episode. It really is. Really really was. They, it, again they've pulled out some some monster of the week mythology of, you know, yeah. we have no idea who that is. Yeah, and I would be interested to learn if the crocotta was a real it sounds more like a crocodile looking Pokemon to be honest. You know you yeah, I can see it. You're not far off. I can see that. What are what because yeah, I think it's like Marwell, I don't know Pokemon too well. I can't there are too many of them for me to even gather my brain around. Anyway. Um, there was that thing at the the phone company. Yep. 
That um, was placing strange phone calls. Oh, no, me. I'm talking about the guy who oh, just objectifies women. Oh. And sits at his desk and watches porn. The actual monster of the week. Yeah. Yeah. That guy who couldn't keep his hands out of his pants. Gross. At work. Nobody does that. I mean, disgusting. I hope nobody does that. Absolutely horrifying. I really uh, hope nobody does that. Anyway, he dies, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, because he gets a stray, the strangest phone call. Yes. As do a few other people in the episode. And they start hearing the voices of dead loved ones, which, I mean, is a very interesting concept. Yeah, it's um, sort of a technically accounts of murder in the second degree because they keep hearing the voices of their loved ones calling back to them over and over again until eventually they are persuaded to go with them to the other side, which is... A nice way of saying they die. They die. They do, in fact, die. But then again, like, that sort of happens to people in Supernatural if you're not... If your name doesn't appear on the title card, and even then you do probably still I die. mean, even then you die, you yeah. just come back, or you have a, a better chance of coming back. You're dead for a moment. Yes, for an for a increment of time yeah. unspecified. Um, but yeah, so there was this guy, he did some stuff with the phones um, to make people think that their dead relatives were calling. When those people then consequently died to go and be with their dead relatives, this person, monster, creature, thing... Yeah. Sucked out their essence, soul, life force, stuff. Stuff. Most definitely stuff. Yep, stuff was sucking into his mouth from dead person. Yeah. Um, and we heard, well, well, Dean thought we heard John, and Sam was very much like, that's not John. Um, and they regressed into the state of children again, where they were yep. bickering over their father. Yep. And, of course, the natural states of Sam wanting to be sceptical and Dean following along with uh, uh, quote-unquote John's wishes, even though we heard Dean throw that sentiment right back his own subconscious self, saying he's not his father's little toy soldier. Yeah. You know, uh, and Sam goes off and like actually tries to hunt the demon of the week, or the monster of the week, yeah. and Dean goes along with whatever John was saying on the phone, Yeah. which was setting up a, a demon trap in a house nearby. Um, and trying to do an exorcism on a person who wasn't actually a demon. Yeah. And this person was also getting phone calls from his dead daughter, and this child was saying, you know, the person who killed me is at the house right now. And so this, you know, monster of the week was just basically pitting play. them against each other. Yep, just playing these this one random person off of against Dean, just as the making them think they were a housebreaker, and but making them seem aggressive enough that Dean would believe that this was a demon until eventually some of the ruse started to see through but even then it was almost too late yeah I mean Sam definitely pulled out of the hat you know he he went mono and mono with this guy and uh, ended up shushkabobbing him on a peg mm. yep Sam's brutal kills have been like the most brutal yeah, this season yeah they've been absolutely on it this season uh, which I mean is a, it's, it's an interesting concept because he's obviously trying to be more like Dean yep so that he can then live without Dean, he needs to sort of toughen up a little bit. Um, but the fact that you know we're commenting on you know Sam's like brutal yeah. kills—it's just a normal day for Dean. Yeah, because uh, that was the existence he was living with John, and then without John, well, while Sam was studying law, which yeah. is. And then they have a lovely heart to heart at the end of it, and then you know, well, Dean has a lovely moment where he's trying to have a heart to heart. And he's like, I don't have much, you know, but I'm going to try. And then Sam's like, me too. Yeah. 
And then dude's like, really? I'm having a moment here and you cut me too? That's all you got? And Sam's like, what do you want, a poem? The the essence of jerk bitch. Yeah. In a, in a sense. Not those words exactly, but still that essence. Without actually having to be jerk bitch. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's good. And now the penultimatum. Episode 15, uh, time before. is on my side. I mean, it's not, but sure. Yeah. Time is on the side of the monster. Of the week, yes, correct. Yeah. It's someone who reminds me a lot of the Doctor from Dead by Daylight or the weird combination of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. Yes. But, like, original Frankenstein's monster, not... No, no. Green Bolt guy. No, Green Bolt guy is a thing of the... 1930s cinema was a great representation but not the creature not correct in, indeed i agree uh that poor nurse at the beginning got a shock she yeah. was like oh i've seen everything before don't be shy and then this guy opened his jacket and he just had a liver not there not not where it needed to be yeah and this nurse was like oh no that i haven't seen yeah but you know takes it as well as you can do for like the opening segment of oh, a supernatural episode yeah you know but still, uh, the idea of a mad scientist who had been able to use magical means to prolong his life by stealing dead body parts. Yes. And it's, you know, it wasn't magic, it was science. Was, but even so, there was still, like, enough... The, the deal with supernatural is that the weird things are always have to be explained in, like, a magical or supernatural sort of way. So it was a super scientific sort of way in this episode. Yes. It was very much like there's a ritual part that I don't understand yet, but most of it looks really odd scientific. Hmm. Like, terrible science, because you have to murder people to get their good organs to put into yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, originally Sam told Dean that the, the case was zombies, because that guy was getting his, his body eaten, his flesh eaten and whatnot. And it turns out that it was just a, just a normal case of organ theft. Yeah. Which they also started to wonder was even if there was going to be their deal, but they had to press on further, and sure enough, they found that it really was strange. And you know what else we saw in this episode? Oh, yeah, what's that? Rufus! Yep, because they were able to get a good tip from Bobby that uh, Rufus Turner is an old hunter buddy of mine, knows some stuff about Bella. Yes. And apparently, all you need is a good earshot. It's true. Because ears are just as identification worthy as fingerprints. Actually, to be honest, uh, apparently uh, from what I hear from certain people online is that uh, even fingerprints aren't necessarily the best. Oh, no. I mean, you know, the second you've got a cut or like the tiniest bit of damage on your fingerprint, then Mm. it's absolutely unusable. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, ears also work, I guess. And sure enough, he's able to track her that way. Um... And Rufus is basically a hermit. Like, he doesn't see people. He doesn't yeah. want to know you. Get off my lawn, grumpy old man. But, like, that's a great energy to have. Oh, yeah, 100%. And the only reason that he lets Dean in his house is because he comes bearing scotch. The right scotch. Very specific scotch. The only kind that Bobby Singer would let him enter that house with. Yep. Because we need that info. And boy, was that info interesting. Oh, it was, because we were able to get um, Bella's location and basically Bella's entire past. Yep, her entire life story uh, was had from Rufus because of the fact that he had her ear on camera. Yep. Interesting guy, that one. (laughs) So we find out, we finally find out why that ghost pirate ship was after Bella. Yep. Because she had made a deal with a demon 
in which they would kill her parents, she would inherit a bunch of money. Yep. And uh, and her time was almost up, which is why she stole the cult. To hopefully try and fight off... Her, her deal, so she wouldn't have to die. Yep. Because her ten years were almost up. So she stole the cult to try and placate the person who had everybody's contracts. Yep, this strange demon named Lilith, apparently. Who we find out is Lilith, and she calls Dean, and she says, you know, hi, um, I don't have the cult. You, It's not with me, it's with the person I gave it to, the demon who holds everybody's contracts, Lilith. And Dean's like, why are you telling me this? I can't help you. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I know, but maybe you can kill her instead. And then she dies, because you hear Hellhounds. Well, she dies off screen. You yeah. hear Hellhounds in the know, distance somewhere. Howling in the distance. Which is again, yeah, which is again uh, another real good sign to show that the Hellhounds are really horrific and we haven't seen them yet because we're hoping that Dean might dodge them or if we or we'll see Dean just be destroyed by them. Yeah. So Sam originally thought that this doctor person was the answer to getting Dean more time. Hmm. He was like, you know, the answer to immortality. And uh, and how they would get out of this deal. Yeah, even though do- that doctor himself said that he could put some more time and he could sense that Dean was doomed. But that's not the way Dean wanted to go about it. He wanted to do it by the book. Or, you know, he's not going to go around stealing people's organs to keep himself alive. Yeah, so... But there was no way to kill off... This doctor, he was just basically immortal at this point, so they yeah. bury him alive. In a, in a very sealed, sealed, sealed case. Yeah, that was a lot of chains and padlocks. But it worked. And dirt. Yeah. And uh, and I think he's gone for now. Yeah, which is uh, pretty much what you want. Yeah, you don't want him coming back. No. He, he dodgy. And hopefully he will just decompose. I mean, technically, yeah. Cause to, Eventually. Because if, if, if he needs to keep replacing the body parts, then those body parts presumably keep withering and aging and rotting, and eventually all of it will. Yeah, I'm hoping that's happened now. Whatever well, by now, yeah. 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 Anyway. We get on to the last and final episode of season three, episode 16, No Rest for the Wicked. Oof. Oof indeed. My God. With the knowledge that they have about the demon named Lilith, they are able to put some plans ahead to eventually find her location. Track that child who is on uh, quote, shore leave close quote. Yeah, because apparently she's uh, She's been working real hard and demons need a rest too. Yeah. Apparently Earth is where they go to vacation. You know, see the sights, kill some mortals. That's what they find fun. Yeah, right? Have, have a splendid time. Yeah. But sure enough, we also see this Demon Lilith, so we sort of cut between the boys planning and strategizing and her possessing a very similar looking little girl and tormenting a family. Yeah, that kid, uh, she she was creepy. She, back in the day, she creeped me out a lot. Um, I now know her as an actress from other things, so she creeps me out less. That's good. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, when she came in the first time and we saw her and she had blood all over her nice dress. And she was just so cheery and like, oh, the cat was mean to me, so I murdered it. And I was like, oh, no, what? I What? Oh, I'm not okay with that. 
Yeah, that's fair. Creepy child person. No, thank you. You don't want. Do not want this. Do not need this. But you know what? What I was happy about what was that. Carry on my wayward son was back. Let me peace when you were done because they took they ch- changed it up for the finale of season two. Yeah. And they realised that nobody was okay with that, and they brought it back, and it's here forever. And now it's here to stay. As and that's what we're about. As, as it should be. Justice is back. Well, sort of. So Dean's been having these death dreams and hallucinations. Because and the puppies are coming. The the time is almost up. You've got 30 hours. And then it really quickly jumped to, you've got five hours. Because <laughs> they cause they were probably planning and strategizing and crossing the country to get to wherever Lilith was hired. Yeah, they, they did a they did a quick travel. Yep. Um, and so as it, as it got closer towards Dean's time... Um, he was able to see through the veil uh, of hell and he was able to see the demons' true faces underneath their meat bags. Yeah, because yeah, as you get closer to hell, you can see them as they would be in hell. And they're all twisted and demon. Yeah. As yeah. a way to put it. We don't get to see what he sees, but it's like still messed. So they, they call upon Ruby. Um, Dean... Steals her knife off of her. Yep, and goes it. Goes it towards the hell demon bitch. Yeah. Another solid big brain play from Bobby here, blessing the holy sprinklers. Oh my god, absolute genius. You can't move in a cul-de-sac like that without being hit by the sprinklers. It's true. So if you've got demons coming after you and you want to get to a place, all you got to do, bless the pipelines. Yeah, which worked perfectly. Created like this almost shield around the entire house as they were able to just get in but they were just getting singed and having to back away it was perfect oh my god it was absolutely brilliant the other thing that i want to mention before we get into the like actual end of this episode was the sort of midpoint where we got an absolutely pure brother moment in the car yeah where they were singing along to bon jovi and it was just adorable it's exactly what they needed to show that even through all of the stuff they'd been through, they're still united, they're still together, they're still... Cute bean boys! At, at their best. Which was uh, definitely an indication for someone watching this the first time that, that what's going to happen next is going to be fairly grim. Yeah, because you get that nice happy moment, and then you get all the sad, terrible, bad, bad stuff afterwards. But we're going to cover that as they get into the house. They get into the house, and they immediately come across a dead body on the floor. Yep. And the rest of the family as well, I think, as well, right? Uh, so the granddad had also died because he tried to ask their neighbours for help, which was a terrible move. Yep. Um, and then they come across her dad, the wee child's dad, um, who was like, I'm not I'm not leaving my wife, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to take myself to the basement. So Dean just knocks him out. Yep. He's like, I don't have time for this nonsense. Which is a decent plan to do. And it takes away... The demon, he's like, bye bye. I gotta, I gotta go do with some stuff. So, Dean takes the dad down to the basement. Sam and Ruby go upstairs towards the small child's bedroom, and then as Sam is, you know, just about to stab this young girl with the knife yep. of demon death, it turns out she's just a normal old girlian. She is just a normal old girlian, and she wakes up, screams, absolutely bloody murder, because there's this guy over her bed with a knife. Yeah, because that's a normal thing to sort of react. That is a great reaction for a little girl. Go you. Um, Dean bursts in and is like, that's not her anymore. That's not, she's not here. Yeah, because he can see the demons. Um, And then they sort of, they don't know what to do with themselves. So they go downstairs. uh, They're telling the family, you know, 
don't don't move just stay in the basement don't come out until we come and get you we don't know where she is we don't know yeah. who she's possessed um and it turns out she was possessing ruby she was inside of rubes or the or the body that was previously owned by ruby and yes. ruby had been quote unquote ejected thrown somewhere else um completely just taken out of that body and left yep. and so you've got this lilith in a grown girl's body grown woman's body um and she very very creepily and weirdly kisses sam yep there's something that's sort of like the whole sort of childlike energy that's sort of about which made her extra creepy yeah did not like it was not fan don't think sam was either mm, who would be um and so they're trying to do the thing where they they kill off the demon because it's their day job um and uh, that doesn't seem to be going so well for them no it really doesn't they struggle with it consistently until a point where sam sort of shunted away as the clock chimes and the howling begins um as far as i can remember they somehow get the upper hand on lilith hmm. uh and i can't remember if it's sam or dean that goes to stab the knife into ruby's body either way it doesn't work but uh what basically happens is lilith is pissed off that they've managed to get the upper hand and evacuates herself yep. from ruby's old body Nazi, <laughs> you know yep meat sack situation um so they're left with ruby on the floor dean and sam slightly recovering uh and and the the wool the hounds are are ripping dean to shreds as sam is powerlessly watching yeah because we s learn now that the hellhounds are actually invisible but dean being through the veil can see them yes as he's like and he looks up he looks at eye level to himself he doesn't look down these are huge things oh yeah and we massive yeah and we the amazing effects just to see like his chest being torn up but without actually seeing what's doing that yes so there was some definite like awesome effects on this series uh so season three the ending ones with dean obviously being some of the best because you you do see obviously the the claw marks and the bite marks and the blood going everywhere and the the clothes being torn to pieces and there is absolutely nothing there doing it sam can't see anything but obviously dean who has made the deal and whose whose soul is going to hell he can see it all he can see what's what's you know hitting him what's hurting him yeah and uh and you just get that end bit where sam is crouching over dean's body you know can't can't believe this is actually what it's come down to they thought they had the upper hand with lilith they can't believe that Dean has been killed and been taken by the Hellhounds, and Sam's sort of cradling his body, trying to reconcile what's happening. And then the season ends with him in this, with Dean in this no place, with with spikes and chains coming all out of him, which again, was some some great effects on their part. Yeah, like the chains and the meat hooks are sort of like in his arms and his shoulders, just holding him up, going on forever. And, and he was screaming for help and screaming for Sam. And it just echoes out and then it fades to the credits. Hell of a way to end a season, if I do say so myself. I mean, it was something else. This entire season was a goddamn roller coaster. We had the ups, we had the downs, we had the very, very downs. And then we had the Christmas episode. <laughs> With the Christmas episode, Ghost faces some excellent side characters. Yeah. There was obviously the mystery spot, which is an absolute classic. 
you've had some proper banging episodes this season. Yeah, it's amazing how they were able to condense some of the some of the show's best into just 16 episodes. It was honestly such an interesting thing to see and they yeah. did it perfectly here. Yeah. And we can only speculate further when we catch up with later seasons of how these boys get themselves out of these predicaments. Yeah, so far definitely season three has been my favourite of the, the yeah. three that we've rewatched, and yeah. I think that's a lot for most of the fans out there um, of the earlier seasons. Season three is definitely, you know, most people's favourites. Definitely, yeah. So, uh, you know, can't wait to see what happens next because obviously a massive, massive fan favourite is going to be coming in to Almost the storyline shortly. Very, very immediately into season four, but that's something for us to cover a little later when we waywardly rewatch seasons coming up. Yes. And hopefully we will not have to wait such a long time to go on a road trip with the boys again. Uh, I don't think that's going to be too long a wait. I'm sure we can get around to doing something regular so that we can talk about it on the air for whoever is out there listening to our Wayward Rewatches. But until then, Ms. Fazer, my friend, where can our friends find you on the interwebs? Um, I am on Instagram at alwaysbuyingbooks and I'm on Twitter at fayclark 16 and what what interesting things do you do perhaps on the internet? I know some of them, but I'm probably not. Um, so on my Instagram, I do a lot of uh, book readings and recommendations, and this is what I'm currently reading because I have read a lot of books this year. Um, and I write for the Dark Knight News website with uh, you and, and a lot of other people that do the cool stuff. And I also write for the Fantastic Universes website, in which I do a lot more about books and other cool situations. Does we've come to know and love and you always do such a great job it's great to be on those sites in whatever ways and means we have uh, as for myself you can follow me on twitter at is it tinkerer i-z-z-e-t tinkerer uh, where i mostly ramble about pc and tabletop gaming you can catch some of my own reviews on darknightnews.com and some reposts of those reviews and my own takes on pc gaming tabletop gaming and trading card gaming on one of the one of my pride and joys something i made with my father fantasticuniverses.com Look to YouTube on No Ordinary Heroes for me playing Dungeons and Dragons with my very dear friends and look to YouTube on The Hostile Atmosphere, yes, two channels, where you can find me badly playing PC games with small university friends. But uh, it's good to keep busy in the world that is this strange, but there will always be monsters out there in the night and it is good for us to waverly rewatch about the heroes that have kept us safe in them. Thank you for listening all. This has been us covering Season 3 of Supernatural here. Thank you for listening. Every hero needs theme music and this is mine. Find a beat that shines, renewed spirit and mind. Spit fire when I swig in with some friends of mine. Rewire till I arrive at the end of time. This is music to play in black holes, alternative futures. Retune to play on your onboard computer. A song to play in Batmobiles, or Plastic Man's iPod. Zatanna backwards magic words, or Marvel Man, my god. Fire up the turbines, the game's afoot. Underwear over tights is now a good look. If there's been monkey business, I head off on a mission. I'm ready for anything in a head-on collision. So listen all vagabonds, scoundrels and villains. Beware because it's on, this is just the beginning. No cake, just a time belt with vivid shine. Every hero needs theme music and this is mine. Ladies and gentlemen, back to the lab. Big, big way, cause here I come. Professor. Drinking his tea. 
This is your tune now, your theme music. Stand strong in the storm or easily breeze through it. I'm passing a mantle, bestowing a gift. It might take you some training before you know what it is. It's the bite of a spider that's radioactive. It's mutant synapses becoming finally active. When no one else could ever really walk in your shoes. Walking into exams or out of job interviews. To deal with every evil ex or several devilish kids. To enter the ring already a legend, ready to win whenever it is. Every right to work on a Monday in a hurricane. Tired and you're underpaid, find you want to run away. Hey, face front true believer. If you don't believe in you, then they won't either. This is the teaser trailer for your blockbuster event. And you're at the center. This is so intense. Well, I just...